0: We all joined against a common enemy. Now the ship has been brought back to life again. Not for the purpose of war, although we'll no doubt see our share of battles, but to save Earth. The message from Queen Starsha of Iskandar offers Earth its one chance for survival. As you know, the radiation increases every day. Now life on Earth has only one year left. We must reach Iskandar, get the Cosmo DNA, and return to Earth in one year. The Star Force needs you, and others like you. We know a round-trip space journey of 296,000 light-years has never been attempted before. But we also know planet Earth has never been in such danger before. We will succeed in our mission. The Star Force cannot fail.
1: outer space, we're leaving Mother Earth to save the human race.
2: 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of January in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the... What, I never ever say this. Can you turn me down just a little bit? No. There's just no. too much me, Sarah.
3: That's impossible.
2: My voice is just too powerful It's too
3: mellifluous.
2: Uh, and... Yes. Uh, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for joining us today. It is 503-733-2970. 2970 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us on this Monday... It is uh, Monday, and welcome to day 12. You can join us if you like. 503 733 2970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, uh, musings, whatever it is you have today. It's 503 733 2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd, the confrontational, the challenging, the pedantic, the obtuse, Uh, whatever it is you got. It's 503 733 2970. By the way, don't forget. One random on-air caller today wins Han Solo. Uh, It is, uh, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen that thing that Zinn has at the front desk, the Darth Vader statue? It is fan-freaking-tastic. And by the way, we're not giving that one away. I believe that one actually is the property of Dave Zinn. If you come by the station, uh, you know, you've been by the studios to pick, to pick up a prize. You come by to you know do anything, you pick up tickets or something. At the front desk, by right where Dave's Zinn, the gatekeeper is here at the the CBS Radio Studios on First Avenue. He's got a Things from Another World Darth Vader statue that is like the best thing you've ever seen in your life. That being said, you can't have it because so we're not giving it away. But we are giving it away, Han. Uh, we're giving away Han Solo today. This is from Things From Another World, one of our many fine partners in commerce. Uh, all week, this week, each day, uh, we are giving away a uh, vinyl collectible statue from Things From Another World. You can find out more at their website. It is Things From Another World's website, tfaw.com slash rick. com slash rick. You can see all the statues. Save 75% on select Star Wars vinyl statues, and you can go into any of their physical locations and save 70% off. Uh the uh, selected uh, Star Wars vinyl statues, you've you heard it on this uh this program. Today, Han Solo. Tomorrow, Obi-Wan. Uh right, there you go. Uh, and so forth. Anyway, it is uh five oh three-seven three three two nine seventy. Richie Bristol is uh there, ready to screen your calls and pass your thoughts along to the teeming millions. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at Rick com Rick at com Sarah at nine seventy dot a.m. Richie with a T at nine seventy dot AM and this just in Apparently, uh, it, this guy who allegedly shot a bunch of these people downtown. It's. I'm glad they were. I'm glad they were able to put this right in the headline. Suspect called quiet video game fan. There you go. Print media continuing to do the hard work. That's just groundbreaking journalism, is what that is. All right. Maybe you can reveal that he kissed somebody. I'm sorry. Is that out loud? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Did I say death camp? I meant happy camp. It is 503-733-2970. It is Monday. Here is what is on our agenda. We'll talk to Cena Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, joining us today as we talk about uh, President Barack Obama in his uh, first 100 days. Uh, Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us as well. We'll talk to Jim Rupp about the SAG Awards. Where I guess I guess Heath Ledger won something else. I guess he won Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best... I don't know, what whatever it is they do with the SAG Awards. Is that they have their own kind of categories or whatever. But I guess he won the Golden Globe and then he won the SAG Award uh, last night, which does that does bode well for the Oscars. I'm not even like, like counting everything before they're you know, before they're hatched or whatever, but uh, and I guess Kate Winslet won something as well last night and I don't know, probably Latin. So uh, Amanda Moyer are gonna be joining us as well. Don Taylor will step into the uh, studios later on today. Today, Don Taylor, tomorrow David Walker, uh Wednesday Liz Hummer, uh, formerly of uh, LivePDX.com, I believe. I think that's how it's uh, unrolling today. What else is on the agenda? Hick Watch coming up today. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch coming up today. We will announce the next winner of the AM970 Listener Bailout. Every uh, Monday. uh, There's a Venus
3: Watch today, too.
2: Is there? Is this the one you were telling me about earlier?
3: Yes, but I censored it.
2: Have we managed to clean it up at least a little bit? Uh Uh-huh. Because it was very off-putting, the way that, I mean, even by penis watch standards, the way that you would sort of, the phrases you were throwing out at me earlier today were, I believe, not acceptable for anybody, anywhere, ever, under any circumstances. All right, so penis watch coming up today as well. Uh, Every Monday until everything sort of straightens out economy-wise, as the schooner tuna man would say, we are all in this together. So every Monday we're going to be uh, awarding something fantastic and shiny from the uh, AM 970 pile of crap uh, to an involuntarily unemployed listener. Uh, You can uh, find out more at 970.AM. 970.AM. So we'll announce uh, the AM 970 bailout winner today as well let's see what else. Uh, well that's it we got way other stuff to get to as well big pile of uh, stories I got a couple absurdities that we'll get through before we I mean really before we even take the bottom of the hour break uh, we'll get through a couple of these things we're joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sarah X Dillon hello how are you today
3: hello I'm doing very well how was your weekend it was good um, it, there was a lot of yeah craziness and then yesterday was a really long mellow day where I was just loading music for um, the new show that Lisa and I are gonna be doing
2: <laughs> Help you over there? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah.
3: Right. Now you can tell it's a good weekend when you have strange bruises. What? Like on the on the side of my leg.
2: Where did these ligature what? marks come from?
3: No, I have like this giant bruise like right here, so I can obviously tell that I ran, like I fell into something because uh-huh, there's like a. Because uh-huh. I had a really good day, like day night on Friday night, and uh-huh. that meant that I just ended up, you know, I drinking a lot and staying out really late. And then well,
2: it's not a good night unless you have. Bruises to show for it, I suppose.
3: Wow. <laughs> no, it really—it seems like it probably went down pretty hard, though. <laughs> it's like, like this giant bruise, like right on, like right here.
2: All right. Well, what's a good evening without a lot of chasing? She's rubbing her
0: leg on the outside by her booty.
2: Uh, please, please don't do that. You what's should. Like let the listeners. Grow, you're, you're you're in the penalty right? box for like. String. You're in the penalty box until I introduce you. <laughs> you have to stay there quietly. All right. Well, in any event, but the so this is that just I... one bruise, right? Yeah,
3: just one. All right. Just one. So, yeah, and vague recollection of maybe tripping on something
2: (laughs) tripping Stripping. Okay. I thought you said stripping for a moment, and yes. that doesn't sound like a I was, thing you would do. Yeah, no. I was
3: stripping all of this.
2: Thing. All right. Well, you know, Sarah, the mark of a good uh, the mark of a good weekend is a friction burner, <laughs> too. too so. But the
3: reason but the reason why i was so happy on Friday is because you know, I'm totally don't have very much money, and I had to go to the DMV. After, I told you I had a good DMV story. Yes. So I went to the DMV right after the show on Friday, and I'm sitting in there, and it's just crowded. And now, was this awful. to get your
2: emissions done? I thought we had. A, no, I
3: already I do go to the DEQ to get the emissions. Now okay. I went to the DMV to get my car registered. All right. To be an organ, so I'm sitting there, and you know, I get there, and, and it's number ten, and I get there, and I pull out my slip, and I get number thirty-five. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a while. So I sit in there, then it finally gets to about, you know, I'm waiting for about twenty minutes. It gets to about, you know, like uh, like number twenty-eight or twenty-nine. I'm like, all right it's almost me. And this fancy-looking girl walks in, and she's like, you know, like a puff of perfume around her, and wearing, you know, like a little black dress and fancy heels, and her hair looks like it cost you know, like four hundred dollars right. to do. And she comes running in, and, like she pulls the ticket. And she comes and sits down next to me, and I can tell she's kind of, like, frantic, and I look at her ticket, and she's number 55. And she's like, I'm sorry, how long have you been waiting? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I've been here for about a half an hour now, and um, she's like, what number was it when you got here? I'm like 10, you know, now it's almost 35, it's almost my turn. And she's looking at, at her ticket, and she's like, "Why well, have to take my driver's test before 4, because that's the last time mm-hmm. you can
2: take it, so... Did she immediately take out her Blackberry Pearl and start texting people? So
3: she was, like, looking around, like, kind of impatiently, and she totally didn't look like she belonged there. So, um... Yeah, so she's, looking at and she's like, I have to take my test for i I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm like, yeah, I want to get out of here, too. And she looked at me, and she looked at my ticket, and then she looked back at me. And she's like, I'll give you $80 if you trade places with me. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, are you serious? She's like, I'm serious. She's like, I'll go to the ATM right now. If you give me your slip, I'll give you $80. bucks." i am like, done and done. So, Fantastic. She, so she gets up all, like, you know, fancy pants, just as, you know, and she's at the ATM just as the guy's like, 35 35 and she's like, oh, just a second, I still didn't believe it was happening. So then she runs back from the ATM. She comes up to me. She's like 20, 40, 60, 80. She's like, thank you.
2: I'm so. Well, first of all, is there so is there now an ATM at the DMV?
3: There's an ATM at the
2: DMV. Because the last time I went there, there wasn't. And like I had that I do that jive of walking down the street uh, to like a plaid pantry or something. She gave you eighty dollars for your place in line.
3: Yes. At eighty dollars, like, and you can tell too because that probably didn't seem like it probably started at a hundred in her mind, right. and she's like, oh well, that's too much maybe If I can just convince her for eighty, so she's like, I'll give you eighty.
2: Done and done.
3: So she's yeah, whips out four twenties and gives them to me, and then yeah, she ended up getting the last driver's test of the afternoon. I only had to wait like she was still taking her test when I got up because she was number fifty-five, so it only took like ten
2: more minutes. So I was just going to ask, how much additional waiting time did that put on you? I, you said ten minutes.
3: I got ten, yeah, about yeah. That's, eighty dollars for ten minutes.
2: You know that's um uh that is uh what that's that's
3: eight dollars a
2: minute. Three, Jesus, what uh, what is six times eight? 49 forty-nine. Oh, I'm such a moron. Yeah. I, I don't even that that's uh, it's forty-eight. That's that's four hundred and eighty dollars an hour. Well done, good for you, Sarah. Dunn. It was for, you know what, and if
3: it was somebody else who looked like they had lesser means or anything, I wouldn't have done eighty. But I'm just like she looked. Fancy. Like, it didn't even... It was just like a flick of her wrist. She was like, what? here's $80. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Mm-hmm. And this guy next to me, and he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I know, right? And I was kind of spastic. Uh,
1: that
2: is what makes this society work, though. That is our capitalist system in action, Sarah. That is the free market economy right there. You have something she wants. She has something you want, which Absolutely. is money. She gives you the 80 bucks. She gets to go first. She gets out of there. Bada bing, bada boom.
3: Yeah, and she was still there by the time I had already like Excellent. registered my car. And then, plus, I was... Uh, I had been kind of late registering my title mm-hmm. And they're supposed to fine you fifty-five dollars. Right. So I'm like, so I'm nervous because I don't really have that much money. But then I'd like eighty dollars. But you're still
2: like, twenty-five in, in the black, even if they yeah, didn't find you. Yeah, it costs
3: one hundred and twenty dollars to register your car. So I'm like, well, hot dog. Not only is it going to cost forty, but then I'm like, okay, there's the fifty-five dollar late fee. So then I got up to the thing. It was a really good day at the DMV. So I got up there and I was doing my song and dance and trying to distract the guy just to not notice. And so I was like, don't feel, look
1: down um, at my record. I
3: was just being kind of flirty and like there was a there was a fight that had broken out. I'm like, oh my god, there's a fight. It was yeah. ridiculous. Totally distracted him. You can get the late fee. Out Excellent.
2: There. Now here's the thing I've learned with any with like the DMV or you You've got, to,
3: you've got to wait for the good one because they' they're the hard asses and they're the nice people
2: and also if you're it's just, gamble. I know I mean I used to be really obnoxious, I know that's hard to believe when I would uh, when I would have a problem with customer service or when I would be complaining about something or if I would have if I buy something it didn't work or if I had some question or if I was you know if I was on the phone with my bank trying to sort something out, I used to be just a real dick. I was just a real hard ass about it because I thought that that would somehow get results and I think also I was just like I just I no, just play, enjoyed the chance to get to yell card. at people it's not just a stupid. I, as difficult as it might be for certain people, and it, and it was very difficult for me to get to this point, and frankly, it's still difficult for me to pretend to be this way. The thing I've learned is that if you were ever dealing with anybody who is in a position of dealing with the public, whether they work for the government or not, and the DMV point, out like they'd be fired anyway, but the thing is just to be polite because they spend all day, dealing with obnoxious people who are rude and uh, you know and who are very brusque and very discourteous so really if you are polite it it just catches them off guard because they're used to everybody coming Mm -hmm. up and just being a jackass about it so if you are even if you have just the tiniest bit of common courtesy it's going to pay a disproportionate dividends. So, I'm excellent. Good for you. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you had quite a productive weekend. Well done. I had, yes, quite a productive weekend. I'm and yeah,
3: uploaded like 800 songs to my computer yesterday for um, the punk show. So, I'm really excited. So, I spent all day. Yesterday, recuperating and just listening to, like, bands that I hadn't listened to in years. It was really fun.
2: Excellent. I can't get over the fact that a woman paid you $80 for your place online.
3: I couldn't. I, I would have done it for 20
2: Okay, here's the thing. You know what, right now? I'm telling you, as we speak, you know, look, these are hard economic times. Right now, there's some guy out there that's just going to spend the whole day, George Costanza-style, going and getting those early tickets, and he's going to get, like, now serving, and he's going to get, like, 15 of those tickets and just keep them all in his hand. And then when they call his number, he'll look around and offer to sell it for ten bucks.
1: Yeah, because
3: I kind of been thinking about it because I felt sorry for. Her. She's like, "Wow, I really need my license for this weekend." I'm like,
2: "God, but I really
3: want to get out of here." Because there was this fight erupting, like these, these guys were screaming at each other. I thought they were gonna be like guns pulled. I'm like, "I just want to get the hell out but of really, here." Really,
2: if you could do that, if you could go to like let's say two DMVs, a pharmacy, and like uh, what like uh, like the emissions place, if you could do that a couple days a week and you could do like twice in an hour if you could get two people if you could get people to give you $10 each for your ticket that's like 30 bucks an hour mm-hmm. probably I mean over the course of a week I mean, you, you could, I mean, that's—that's that's a better living you're going to make in radio. All right, somebody ought to be doing that right now. I mean, I'm not advocating fraud. No, it
3: was just—it was. Really, I'm like this is free money. Excellent. I'm just sitting here. I happen to be in the right place at the right time, and now I have. Good 85. for you.
2: Well done. Thanks. Uh, also, well done with CBS Radio Theater last night. I <laughs> heard that. It was—it was, it was fan freaking tastic, is what it was. So congratulations to Jason Crump, Aaron Duran, and then I'm going to. I'm going to leave somebody out if I try to do the entire casting crew. Uh, so I will simply say, go to RickEmerson.com or go to 970AM, where the podcast I think is going to be up within the next uh, day. You know, sometime today probably. The Jim
3: was one of the voices too. Yeah, he was one of the main guys.
2: The, he was uh, he was the, uh, the main character voice, right? in the in the in the second Az in the yeah, the radio in the Az prequel that aired. So yeah, that's
1: the one I heard. It was
2: it was exceptional. So uh, last night, CBS Radio Theater uh, featuring Az and the Adventures of the Crimson Mist. Uh, It was stunning. So it'll return two Sundays from yesterday. It'll return Sunday after next. So well done to everybody on that front. Jonathan Colton, Saturday night was... I mean, I I keep saying fantastic today, but it was... I mean, as good as I knew it was probably going to be, it was even better than I imagined. So we went to Jonathan Colton, met a lot of uh, uh, listeners there, met Ethan and his daughter Mara, who was there. Uh, uh, Saw our good friend Don Taylor there. Um, I didn't quite know what to expect from Paul and Storm. Not Storm Large, but Paul and Storm, who would hit the opening act and they uh, come out and they joined Jonathan Colton during his set for Harmonies and whatever. Uh, But they were hilarious. His set was great. Um, he, uh, you know, I don't know. They, the whole thing was probably three hours long, so that was uh, that was an evening well spent. And then we came out on Saturday, and the snow was falling, and it was altogether, uh, altogether quite a nice night. Let's see what else. Battlestar Galactica on Friday. Uh, Court and Fat Boy were at the the Baghdad showing Battlestar Galactica, which was great. I, I guess the episode that is coming up this Friday night, the writer's going to be in town for it. He's going to be at the screening, so that was wonderful. So anyway, I, all things being equal, not a bad weekend at all. Uh, hello, Richie Bristol. Right. Hello. You can... See, I was about Chinese this. New Year. You're not... Chi- okay. It's Chinese New Year today. Welcome to the Year of the Ox, everybody. I'm sure the... I got money. I'm sure Chinese people everywhere appreciate you welcoming in the New Year by saying, Hello. <laughs> Well, well, well done, Richie. Chuck, my, my boy Uh huh. Okay. Happy New Year. All right. How was your weekend, Richie? It was great. I got right. a 65-inch television. Woo! What do you mean? Like you went home and watched your 60? Did you buy a 65-inch television? Uh huh.
1: Yes, sir. I one up.
2: Is it? Is this plasma or is this LCD?
1: Uh, HDS. All I know It's big.
2: You don't even know. <laughs> You went on you bought a sixty five inch television, you don't even know what kind of television it is. This is it's
1: got an HD hookup for
2: that. Here's the thing is you're lucky that you're so likable because that that's the sort of statement that will get people to hate you almost immediately. Especially now with everybody like every third person in the country being fired this week. So you went out, eBay. Where? Did, uh, well, I won't ask where, but I mean, did you go to? Uh, did you tired. buy it at Circuit City? In Tiger. Yeah. All right. Did you buy it at Circuit City? They're going out of business. But, but you did. I mean, is that you? No, can tell somebody me. else did. All right, but but Circuit City is where it was bought. Yeah. Okay. So you went home. You hooked it up. Is it fantastic? Oh my know. How much? If I can ask, ballpark. How much did you? About how much did that cost? Eighteen hundred. This cheap. Wow.
3: Where do you get all this money?
2: Easy. <laughs> No,
3: I mean, it's th- queen, th- No, <laughs> like seriously.
2: But do you see what I'm saying? Do you sugar mama or something? I wish. Do you see my point about how it's lucky that Richie is so likable? Because otherwise, I mean, first of all, like two weeks ago, you came in here with thousand dollars. are you trying
3: to out where he has eight hundred dollars from?
2: See, not so much. See, I've already moved on from that because I realize that he's just an enigma. He's just a thing that can never be figured out. <laughs> but he comes in two weeks ago. He has a, we. Two weeks ago, he bought Sarah's car. With $50 bills in his wallet, you had $1,000 in your wallet two weeks ago for no readily apparent reason. And then you dropped $1,800 on a television this week. What's the first thing you did on your brand new TV? Was it uh, a movie or was it Xbox? Uh, uh, Xbox. When it was all set up and done, what would you what did you play? What's the first thing? Uh, I think it was Slumdog Millionaire. That's not an. Oh, I guess what I'm saying is it a movie or a video game? Oh, a movie. Alright, so you watch Slumdog Millionaire, which no, of no, course no. isn't. In... Bio
1: Man, that biotech thing. Never mind.
2: Would you like to clarify this so that you're not saying that the first thing you did was to watch a movie that is actually still in theaters and not available on DVD?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. All right, we'll move on. It's 503-733-2970. I just, I don't understand anything uh, about this show sometimes. By the way, we're not going to talk, I mean, unless there's like breaking news about it, which who knows, there may not be. I mean, we're not really going to discuss the Sam Adams issue as such. I will tell you this, though. Here's a Sam Adams story that everybody can be okay with, all right? Doesn't matter doesn't matter where you come down on the whole issue, uh, whether he, you think he ought to stay, whether he should get out. That doesn't matter. Here's a Sam Adams story everybody can smile about. And this is absolutely true. And I know because uh, the person who told me this story, and I will not identify it. I told Sarah who it was. The person who told me this story is an unimpeachable source. And yep. if this person says it happened, it happened. So I, I don't guess, know the
3: story. You just told me the person.
2: Apparently on Saturday there was like a city council meeting or something that was happening. Or I guess they were getting all together to talk about, I don't know, it might have been to talk about, about whether he was staying. Or not. I forget exactly what it was about. But, but on Saturday there was apparently some city council meeting, and Sam Adams, who had been sort of, you know, kind of laying low, he's been hiding out of his house for the last few days, just trying not to be, you know, just trying to stay out of the line of fire and so forth. So Sam Adams on Saturday goes to City Hall, to show up for this city council meeting. And of course, like the media is all there, right? And so I'll be I'll be astounded if this hasn't already been on television, but I don't think it has. I don't think anybody got this on film, which is the really sort of terrible thing about it. So Sam Adams on Saturday shows up at City Hall for this city council meeting. Every the media outlet is there, all the newspaper people are there, everybody's following his every single step. And of course it's a Saturday, right? It's not it's not regular business hours. So City Hall is closed. Like you gotta get in. He goes up to the door key card doesn't work. Right there. And I guess somebody came and let him in. But Saturday when Sam Adams went to the city council meeting, his card didn't work at the front door.
3: Oh, so someone was kind of jumping the gun? Seriously. Wow.
2: And I know that for a fact, because the person who told me is uh, th- 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 trusted implicitly by this show. And he was like, yeah, Sam Adams went up and he tried to use his key card. In front got, of a bunch of in media In front people? of the media. And I told him, I'm like, did somebody get it on film? And he's like, dude, I don't know. I hope so. And I guess at that point... I guess he tried the key card and it was like, beep and just a red light and I guess he pulled on I guess he pulled up the door trying to get it to open and it wouldn't open. Look, and I don't care what you think about Sam Adams, that's just funny. I don't care if you think he's walking on water, or if you think he ought to be run out of town tarred and feathered, doesn't matter to me. That's funny. Sam Adams trying to use his key card, door won't open. That's the comedy. mayor of
3: the city of Portland oh. and his key card won't work.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. This has been declined, Sam Adams. So, uh, but I guess he had no point, uh, no choice then but to stay and talk to the press, which and I think he actually used that phrase, too. I think he turned around and he said, well, I guess what? I guess I've got to talk to you. So,
4: all right. That's fantastic. Did you hear? Um,
3: I saw a video of Storm on Friday at the protest singing uh, Stand By Your Sam.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was so cute. I didn't see it, but I read the article. Uh, let's see. OK, so I guess it was on television. Somebody's telling me now it was on TV. Um it was on the news it says they tri- they showed Sam Adams trying to open the door and then knocking on it trying to get someone to let him in <laughs> You can say all you want that's just funny <laughs> uh, All right uh let's see what, what are we uh, have we heard back from CNN here
1: yeah. All, all right.
2: right. So, uh, should I be breaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, should I be taking? Okay, Richie, can you do me a favor? Screen calls. Can you the more importantly, can you if, if can you go let these folks on hold know that we're going to get them momentarily? Okay. Uh, so, we've got a uh, a big bank of calls here. So, we will get your calls around the corners. If you're on hold, uh, hang tight. Uh, we will get to you in just a uh, just a matter of moments. It's 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson show. Stay right there. Mm-hmm.
3: take out the might
2: as well. I I wasn't going to ask that question. Because Ethan innocent in this whole thing, Sarah. So. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, I would especially like to thank the Oregonian when uh, discussing the shooting that happened downtown. for making sure to put right here on the front page one of the things that brought him joy. This is the alleged uh, shooter was playing video games such as such as what, Sarah? What do you suppose the shooter's favorite video game was?
3: Um whatever that zombie one is Left You're For Dead. So
2: <laughs> one of the things that brought him joy was playing video games such as Left For Dead, where the object is a slave fighting zombies, as opposed to cooperative zombies or zombies that like help around the house with like light dusting and laundry. It's five zero three 733 Let's see. So we, the, the, here's what we've got in the uh, bank here. We've got uh, somebody about the Sam Adams thing uh, that hit the TV. Because I guess it was on TV where he tried to use his key card. And apparently he was then knocking at the window and looking through, which is just fantastic. Uh, somebody has a radio question, DMV, and then somebody about Jonathan Colton. We'll get to those in a moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the hills to get on the radio of course. But at least it did in. Hello, how are you today, Lisa? Well, wow,
5: good times in Portland, huh?
2: It really is. Uh, it's quite an exciting month for us.
5: I know. We, get, we I mean, we're kind of moving past. Everything's starting to get boring here. <laughs> We've got all the Senate spots filled, blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah, this is really the wrong time to have had some uh, boy toy of whatever age because it, that was, every, cause the inauguration is over. And suddenly everybody is sort of like, uh, you know, the media is kind of like, what, what new bright, shiny objects we, shall we be fascinated with? <laughs> uh, and the answer is the mayor. So and everyone
5: in Washington very minding in their P's and Q's right now. Restful? It was, it was both. It was satisfying and restful. It's really strange, though. I feel like, um, you know, the last year has been so manic that all of a sudden I had this weekend where suddenly I, I didn't have anything planned. I are you know. having
2: a postpartum depression?
5: I think I am. It was. I really was having. I mean, I was literally. There was a point where we were sitting on the couch last night, watching TV, and my like my knees were starting to shake. Like I was, like what I need to be doing. Like memorizing obscure facts about the Lincoln Bible or something. It was very.
2: It's you know, Geraldo Rivera of all people. He wrote a really great autobiography uh, some years back. Really. Yeah, it's called Exposing Myself, and it was after the Al Capone's vault thing. And when he was doing this sort of trashy, syndicated, uh, you know, that very kind of tawdry Springer show. But before he sort of remade himself into what he originally was, which was just an anchor and a news reporter. um, So it would have been, I don't know, maybe 89 or 90, something like that. Okay. But it's it's not bad actually. It's pretty scandalous because I think at that time he, he figured that he was never really going to have any sort of resurgence in the mainstream media, so he decided just to torch everybody. Right. But um, but he talked about getting the post story letdown, which is a thing that you know that happens to us sometimes. It be a big right. story or a big thing or an event, and then you know the Monday after that, you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I'm at loose ends. I feel malaise.
5: Yeah. So. It's, it's how, you know, I looked at Jason at one point and I said, Hey, we gotta plan some stuff. We gotta. Maybe start an organization or something. Right. And he just looked at me like I I'm really happy to just not do that. Well, because see, because
2: for him it's not really thrilling, right? For him it's just like a whole lot of you being gone.
5: That's exactly right. And even worse, uh, we had um, he, his family's had some health problems, so he was not able to go to any of the inaugural events, even the outdoor concert. And he had to work on the day of inauguration, so he didn't go downtown like he planned to. So right. He I mean, he really kind of was just running around doing his own work and and taking care of his mom and missed all of the good stuff, so he just was like, yeah, forget it
2: hey uh, just a couple of things, and I know that some of this is old habit. we didn't get a chance to talk to you on Friday, I guess it was uh because what's his uh, who's the guy, the new press secretary
5: Robert Gibbs?
2: What's your read on him?
5: uh you know, I think he's still figuring it out still still you know but he he's playing it very smart, you know, taking it slow. I think that the new press secretary at the State Department today had a real rough day. You know, he, he definitely was not quite prepared, and, and the, the people were just after him. He's like, "Okay, okay, all right, I'm sorry, all right." You know, Robert Gibbs, though, I think you know the problems that he's having. He's he's still keeping his cool so far.
2: No, yeah, so I got a couple of things. One dodger, is
5: dodges all the all the questions, though. Big Dodger. Uh,
2: let's see. I had the. I had, oh, it, this is a thing everybody sort of talked about already, but there was this uh something i guess it was like maybe thursday or whatever What was that day that obama took the oath of office again like whatever the, the second
6: yeah thursday.
1: The,
2: yeah but there was some press conference where it was like it was joe biden and barack obama and biden was trying to make some joke about you know about the guy you know screwing up the oath of office or whatever you know and obama who you know everybody is sort of a charismatic and very magnetic personality you got to see sort of a different side of him because he just, his body language, his, his facial expression, it was very clear, like he cut Biden off immediately and it was very clear that he was not in the mood for any horseplay or shenanigans. Right. And you can sort of see that he is, uh, that when he wants to be, you, you just it was just a little flash, a little glimmer of yeah. the fact that when Obama wants to be serious and sort of bring, uh, I would say, a, a, a pretty substantial personal weight to bear, that he yeah. can do that. He can turn that on.
6: That
5: he get, exactly, exactly. And that's, that is an important skill to have. A lot of people in Washington kind of get, get real, uh, kind of become yucksters a little right, bit. Right. You know, I think, and I think Joe Biden's a good example of that. You know, if he, if he ever had that, I kind of think it's gone. You know, you still get that little sparkle in the eye. Right, that's, right. That's what his, you know, that's, that's where his talent, that's his superhero power. But Obama, he can still flip the switch. And and it can be it can be tough. All
2: right, I got two things. I got a question about an actual story happening today, or a great idea for a story. Which would you rather have first?
5: Um, actual story first.
2: Okay. So and this, by the way, is just a little uh, because we we spent a day or two uh, last week talking about the business of Sam Adams, our mayor, and his uh, dalliance uh, with Bo Breedlove.
5: Uh,
2: by the way, Bo Breedlove, of whom there are really some spectacular new photos. Sarah, you've seen the photos.
3: See, and that's what I was going to ask you. If that,
2: see, <laughs> should I should you know... I post that? Well,
5: where, where are these coming from?
2: Well, here's the thing. Let me just back up for a second. So there is Bo Love. Yes. And just it's the
5: name in mean, the name is just I mean, it's ridiculous.
2: I it really it's I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous and, and glorious all at once. Um, a couple of things we know. Uh, There was a sexual relationship. I think all parties involved have admitted that. Uh, They all say that the actual sex happened after he was of age, after he was 18. Uh, You know, and beyond that, there's a lot of sort of fuzziness and gray area and whatever. I will say that on Gawker.com today... Somebody sent us a link to a bunch of photos that I think I think originally were at Bobry loves MySpace page, and I, and I get the feeling somebody kind of did the thing of snagging them before he took it down because once the heat was on, you know, once the man was onto this, I think he made his profile private or he deleted or whatever. But I get the feeling that somebody just got all these, uh, and they, they, I would say they're safer work. They're what they're what in the trade we used to call beefcake photos.
3: There's one that.
2: And this is what Sarah's getting to, and I've got to be very circumspect about this. So there's all these beefcake photos, which is basically just him in, like, swim trunks or very revealing swim trunks, but then there's no nudity or anything.
5: Um, this is a story with the headline, Portland Mayor's Lover Might as yeah. Well Porn star. Okay, but
2: there's this photo, mm-hmm. but the very top photo that, uh, Sarah, are you going to link to this? You should.
3: Yes. I'm just going to put that one picture up.
2: So Sarah is going to link to this Gawker uh, photo. I'll, just,
3: yeah, I'll copy
5: it really quick. That
2: has this Bob Breedlove love photo, but the very top photo of this whole batch, yeah, um, looks as though it's. Uh, there's no way to around this. The
3: top. <laughs> I'm, tab- I'm telling you, Bo, no.
2: <laughs> the top photo looks soiled. There's just no getting around it. That's the only way I can put it. The top photo in this whole batch of of Bob love photos, the top one looks as though it's been.
5: The photo itself.
2: Yes. Yes, the photo itself what looks
5: that, I, soiled. that to me looks like it's glare from glass? Oh. Uh, that's, like it's a, no. like it's some it's the light in the room bouncing no. off of glass. Well, the, you know I love you.
2: You know, a couple of days to sort of play both sides of the aisle here. Is it true that this uh the Tim Geithner guy is going to be confirmed today or has it already happened? What is the it, because, right.
5: It, it, it is set to happen about three and a half hours from now, something like that.
2: I do not understand why, unless he feels, li- unless Obama feels like he can't take the hit this early on of saying, well, I guess he's not going to work out. Let's uh, have another guy come on in. Why they would be confer- Why would they confirm a guy who didn't pay his taxes, like 40 grand in taxes, as Treasury Secretary?
5: Well. It's he just dumb. The argument. He says it was an innocent mistake that, you know, because he he didn't, most of us have our taxes withheld mm-hmm. from our paycheck automatically, and at the end, we figure it all out, whether we owe more or whether we get refunds, and he was in a job, basically as a contractor, didn't have any taxes withheld, and somehow, when his taxes were figured out, he didn't mm-hmm. figure out that he had any, and... So he 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 perhaps assumed that they'd already been paid. It's not exactly clear, but he says it was a mistake. And that up until that job and after that job, he has paid his taxes faithfully. So he's saying that, you know, I goofed. Now, I mean, he is very, it seems, unless something dramatic happens in the next couple of hours, he will be our next Treasury Secretary, which I am just expecting a flood of letters to the IRS. Well, that's saying, the thing, right? Like the, that guy got a break, exactly.
2: Exactly. So like every, so. You know what? Maybe I just won't pay forty grand in taxes over the next however many, you know, uh, tax returns, and then I'll just say, you know, it's an on, it's an innocent mistake, and then I will point to the guy who runs, you know, the treasury.
5: <laughs> treasury. The one thing is the reason he this ever came to light is because the IRS audited him. The IRS somehow he got on their radar, mm-hmm. and, and and they audited and said, look, you actually didn't pay all of the taxes for this one year. And he said, okay, I'll pay you right now as soon as who was audited. Then, then of course, they said, maybe we should look at other years, <laughs> discover that there – I think in, the, in total there were four years perhaps where he had these problems. Two of those four years were past the statute of limitations, so he didn't technically have to pay anything because it had already – the IRS had missed them. So he did pay after the audit brought it to light, which is what would happen for anyone who messes up on their taxes – but now, as Treasury Secretary-designee, he's gone back and paid for those other two years that he technically doesn't have to.
2: You know, I can, I can already see, by the way, the spin uh, that is going to start, and I'm not saying this is coming from you, but I can already see the spin coming out of Washington. There's the whole, you know, you know, it'll be the, uh, well, you know what? He's just like most Americans in that he finds the IRS regulations to be too confusing. And we're going to be looking at streamlining those so that all of us can spend a little less time filling out our tax returns. And a little more time, like insert like playing with our kids in the front yard or whatever. So they'll to- <laughs> seriously, they will totally try to pass off the fact that he did not pay some tax, like tens of thousands of dollars of taxes, as proof that he ought to have the job because he's just like us. So, all right,
7: well, yeah, whatever.
5: isn't that amazing? The Washington Spin. I, right. I'll tell. Ta- I mean, he really is lucky now because, as uh, one senator said last week, Mike Enzi, you know, many uh, other nominees that have had. Lesser problems than this with their taxes have certainly had to withdraw their name. Yeah. but the fact is that economic crisis and well,
2: I guess you don't want to start
5: big financial group. I honestly think there should be more questions perhaps about his management of the first bailout, which he he helped create that first bailout, which really didn't have any accountability and and to me that that has bearing on the job he would do a secretary that
2: that he managed he's not to lose
5: investigated, but not altogether
2: that he lost track of three hundred and fifty billion dollars.
5: Well, I don't know if you could put it quite like that, but that he didn't force banks to be um, completely transparent about how they're using that money.
2: Let me ask you this, just point blank. Once he gets the gig, which it seems like he will, can he uh, call up everybody who got the $350 billion and say, like, I'm ordering you right now to tell me what you did with it or I swear to God I'm going to put you in jail? <laughs> Seriously, can, he, can uh, he say, like, look, we gave you, we gave you the money. Uh, we demand, this is the federal government demanding that by the end of the week you tell us where it went.
5: He technically doesn't have that power because it's it's all it was all appropriated under a law passed under the previous Treasury Secretary. But he does have power because he's holding 350 billion right now that hasn't been spent. Um, so he can say, if you want any of this future money, you got to tell us what you did in the past. But uh, it would have to be kind of blackmail, voluntary situation. Right. Uh,
2: well, on that, now I'll just save the the uh, story idea for tomorrow. Uh, let's oh see. really? Okay. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I don't. I want to give a short shrift to Amanda Moyer. So.
5: Okay. Yeah. No. By uh, all means. So. All
2: right. We will uh, talk to you then. Until then, have a fantastic day, Lisa. Okay. Hey, you too. Thank you. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Uh let's see. We'll get one call while we're waiting for uh, Amanda Moyer. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. Sir. What's up? Hello. Uh, Hello. Last week, like
8: Sarah, I also had to take my vehicle that I just purchased to the DEQ and then the DMV because to be an American is to own more than one car. Of
1: course. <laughs>
8: and um, so on my way to the, to the DMV, I thought to myself, oh, I don't have any cash on me, and I don't take credit cards. Oh, wait, they have a ATM there. So I show up to the DM, or at the DMV. I walk in and walk up to the ATM off, my off lady. So uh, does the ATM work? Oh, no, that's temporarily disabled or out of order. So I'm like, oh, that's great. So I left and went to the to my bank. I go up to the ATM. I insert my card. Pull out 150 bucks, you know. And I hear it running for quite a while. You know, the, the sound of the cash coming right, down. Right, And I open up the thing, and it gave me $150 in $5 bills. Are you kidding me? no. So,
2: That'll creep you out because it indicates that there's a whole lot of people trying to get all their money out of the bank today at once, <laughs> at the same time.
8: Jeez. So trying to save time by not actually walking into the bank, I had to walk into the bank anyways and then exchange those for
2: 20. So. A- and just, I hate, to, I hate to be this guy, but is there any reason, I am to open up a whole thing, but is there any reason why the DMV just doesn't take credit cards? I mean, for the love of holy God? I have no idea. No, I was actually sitting there thinking that i I guess it's because they know. don't have to be efficient because, you know, the government. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Best Uh, show ever. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, We'll get Dom here uh, here in just a few. Let us uh, first welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer joining us now from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Hello, Amanda. How are you today?
6: Hi. Well today, how are you?
2: I am fantabulous. I would say on the classic one to ten scale right now I'm an eight point three, trending to an eight point seven by noon, and then at a nine point two by the end of today's program.
6: Wow, that's quite a day. Yeah,
2: it is. Um, You know, I like to uh, keep a positive outlook. I like to keep on the sunny side. Always uh, on the sunny side. I like to keep on the sunny side of life.
6: (laughs) Well, that's a good way to be.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I have a question for you, and it's about our good friend Rod Blagojevich, and we were. Talking last week about, uh, there's a bit of a scandal with the Portland mayor at the moment. And I was, somebody said, you know, like, is, is he going to step down? And I, and I said, uh, there's a talking about Sam Adams, our mayor. I said that if he hadn't stepped down by Friday, he wasn't going to step down. That he was, if he hadn't resigned by last week, he's not resigning. Because last week was the worst of it. Last week was the initial feeding frenzy where everybody, especially in the print media, was like, oh, there's a chance to, have people notice us. And so they began ran, running all these stories. And that it is that first initial burst of publicity that will determine whether you stay or not because with every passing day, the media and therefore the public just get less and less and less interested because there is some new sort of cat nippy object uh, around that they're going to become transfixed with. We saw that happen with Larry Craig. I remember Larry Craig in Idaho. Everybody was calling for his head, and then he just sort of, uh, you know, he decided he to sort of stick around. and everybody's forgotten about him. And it started to happen with Rob LePage, who was in the news every single day for a while, and now seems to have already started to fall off the radar, because because I didn't even really realize this that his his impeachment trial actually starts today, right? Or started today?
6: That's right. It began today, and you're right. It kind of he did kind of fall off the radar for at least a week, and uh, now. He's, he's actually not at the proceedings, and he's kind of uh, sensationalizing all of this on his own. He's upset because he's he's calling the entire proceedings a sham, says the trial rules are unfair. His main reason for that is he's saying that he can't call witnesses, and therefore he can't defend himself. The witnesses he can't call are witnesses that are directly related to the criminal investigation, such right. as Rahm Emanuel, Valerie Jarrett. But also the Senate can't call those either. But in protest of this, he's boycotting the entire proceedings, and he's in New York today doing media interviews. He was on Good Morning America. He has an interview with Larry King Live tonight, and uh, basically he's just talking about everything and saying how how it's not fair.
2: See, you know, but and I got to say that i have sort of, as much as I as much as I thought he came off as kind of a tool, which he still does, I suppose, in some ways. In a way, I got to admit that. I kind of like a guy who just grabs it and just runs with it and here 's the thing in America, I think an undervalued character aspect of the American personality is shamelessness. I really do admire in some ways just a guy who is absolutely and just totally without any kind of shame or embarrassment who will just who will just just do whatever it takes and just be absolutely melodramatic and over the top and unbelievably um, Sort of a uh, aggrandizing about the whole thing, which is what you know, which is what he seems to be doing because he seems to be on the poor me card and the martyr card, and you know, I, I, my gut says at this point that he uh, he might have to leave, but he's gonna he's gonna end up getting hit a lot less hard than I think the people thought he was going to. That would think, be my guess.
6: I think you're right, and I think that he's betting on people uh, do, believing and thinking just what you said that he has even said that he's gonna lose his job. He, he's not. Um, Again saying he said it in public several times that he thinks he's going to be impeached. he says it's a sham. he says they're going to to vote to impeach. it'll be quick. it'll probably happen this week and now he's going on and 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 doing all of these interviews and uh trying to explain why not hiding the fact that he's not going to have a job probably next week.
2: yeah I mean there's just uh, you know he, he's sort of uh, i don't know it's like that I think it's in clear and present danger when uh, when Jack Ryan is talking to the president. And he's talking about the, uh, you know, about how the pre- one of the president's friends has been embroiled in a scandal. And all of the advisors are saying, you know, no, 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 don't say you know him. Uh, you know, say that you weren't friends. And Jack Ryan has exactly the opposite advice. He says, if the press asks if you were friends, say you were close friends. If the press asks if you were close friends, say there was no one closer to me. Give them nowhere to run. And that sort of seems to be the Blagojevich uh, method right now. So you know what? Rick Emerson has changed his mind. I'm now firmly in the pro-Rod Blagojevich camp, just in terms of style. So he's won me over.
6: Well, that's good. I, I, I would say one thing, though. By him doing all of these media appearances, that's said to be one of the reasons that the governor's lead attorney, Ed Jensen, quit the case. Because he said he shouldn't have launched this media blitz and says that you know, his client should at least um, listen to him, if not follow his <laughs> advice. So he's alienating his lead attorney By taking this limb and doing all these media interviews, and he still has other counsel, but that was his lead attorney. You know,
2: every time we think that there's not going to be anything to talk about in the news on any given day or week, it just, uh, we continue to be proven wrong. I really do love this country. I really do. All right, Amanda Moyer, as always, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. There you go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. Hello, Sarah.
3: Hello. How are you? Oh, fantastic.
2: All right, let me just, uh, let me read a couple of these. Uh, Hey, the Sam Adams thing was on TV. Said, I saw it last night. Uh, they didn't comment, but they briefly showed him trying the door, knocking, and then looking through the window. And you know he was probably doing that thing of looking through the window with his hands up around his eyes, like Hello <laughs> I did, it's Sam Adams. I'm I'm the mayor. I'm here for I'm here for a city council meeting. Hello, anybody? That's wonderful. Let's see. Uh he might be a little pissed at
3: whoever was in charge of the key card. Oh, you like,
2: know that was intentional. Yeah. You know that was somebody screwing with him. No, no, turn off his key card, no, it'll be hilarious. Uh, let's see what else here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, it was on KGW. I guess last night KGW had on the eleven o'clock news, probably somewhere else as well. But um, so I guess on KGW at least they had this this business of Sam Adams not being able to get in. Because how many times is that? I mean that's happened here occasionally. Mm-hmm. Where I'll come to the back door with my card. Oh, that is the most. That's the scariest thing ever. And there'll be some glitch in the system, and like nobody can get in. But at the time you don't know it's nobody. You think it's just you.
3: Remember that happened to um, Tim.
2: That's right. Before he left. And then it happened to Tim again.
3: Oh, yeah. So it was when he was coming in for a meeting and his card just wasn't working.
2: I'm sure it was a coincidence. (laughs) Moving on. Let's get this call, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
8: Hi. Hey, what's up? What's up? I had a quick um, uh, kind of behind the curtain question that's been eating at me a long time. Yes, sir. Um... The Max 910 swag uh, clause used to be called the Crap Stack. Yes. And the new one is now called the Pile of Crap. Is Crap Stack the intellectual property of Intercom Radio?
2: Uh. That's a good question, actually. I don't know.
8: It's been burning at me. It's the stupidest question in the world, but it's like, hmm, I wonder if you can't say that. Um, it was
2: this
8: crap stack I thought was kind of
2: snappy. Really? Here's the thing. Crap stack and then pile of crap, the reason that this, it's really just because I'm not that bright and because my brain only has a few moving parts. So there's only so many ways I can put the same words in like a different order. So uh, crap stack, pile of crap, you know, behold the uh, the depth of Rick Emerson's writing ability. There you go. That is That's my creativity on Parade right there.
0: And the other
8: thing I, uh, I was going to mention is about the same address thing. I think it's really – Poland, you can tell Poland has problems, and the mayor's
0: own key to the city does not work.
2: Yeah.
8: I, I just
0: laugh my ass
2: off. Excellent. Uh, he doesn't need the key to the city. He'd settle for a key to his own office at this point. Yeah. All right. Cold.
0: Thank you, sir. All right.
2: Later. All right there you go. 503-733-2970. Speaking of which, by the way, speaking of the television, I never even saw us – I never even saw the, the coin thing. Were we I on? was all you. Really?
3: Yeah, that you and... I'm not Iris. fishing
2: for, like, Talk About Me. I just never watched it. No, no, I no. I,
3: yeah, I saw it. And you know what the greatest part was? Mm. They used the K-Pam flag before... Are you kidding you. me? I kid you not. They used the K-Pam flag twice. So they used it starting up the thing. I'm like, oh, they must be starting with some from K-Pam. Then it's like, talk show hosts all around town are talking about it. And then it goes right to you. Did they show anybody from K-Pam?
2: I mean, it, presuming there's anybody left working there?
3: No, there was one, I don't know, right-wing crazy lady who was just... I, I can't... She was just kind of flapping her mouth. I was, I didn't hear what she said. But she was on to you. No an app one does. So she, yeah, it was you talking about stuff, saying that you were like exhausted talking about. And then Byron got his soundbites in, which, was, which were really him. good. Byron well about Byron. how like, um, how he... just out doesn't represent the whole gay community.
2: Did they get Byron saying, um, I talked to Sam last night. Yeah, I think so. Really? Because that was the soundbite I was hoping they would mm-hmm.
3: use. I talked to Sam last night, and then you know. It got to him a couple times, and then it was the one about yeah about you know one person not representing the whole gay community. It's probably
2: online. I should go. Uh, I'll go look for it. At some it was good. You didn't look bad. Okay. And you it was like it. the
3: back of my head too. It was like right here. I never get never get my picture. You know never what? Get it on TV. Actually,
2: we can just talk about this for a uh, for a second here, and then we'll then we'll break. But um, so a couple things about this. But
3: I was looking pretty nice that say. I thought maybe I might get like a second of face. Especially because
2: we didn't know. Yeah, like we didn't know the coin was getting so this is I guess last uh Wednesday uh when uh, when coin was here filming us about the Sam Adams thing and it was Byron and Sarah and Storm and I and I didn't really know Susan came and grabbed me. Susan Reynolds grabbed me at, like 11:15. She's like by the way coin wants to come in and I'm like uh, all right and I as I think you could tell people sure that day was just so not into the whole thing but um it, you know, and it is fortunate that I dressed something, you know, like in kind of a grown-up style that day, and I think it's only because I was filming Outlook Portland that morning, because mm-hmm. otherwise I was going to wear my big white nerdy shirt, my weird on Yankovic shirt, which white on television doesn't really look good anyway, and it, it, that especially would have looked bad, but, um, so, uh, Jessica and Dean, I think, were the two folks from COIN who were here, and... At one point during a break, I asked Dean. I said, "Hey, did you get the?" And I was being kind of sarcastic. I said, "Hey, did you get the obligatory shot of the phone lines ringing or whatever?" He's like, "Oh, I got that." Oh yeah, and the bouncing meters. I asked him though. I said, "Hey, did you?" I said, "There were bouncing meters." See, he lied to me that bastard. I told him.
3: But truth be told, I can't remember if they were our meters or if they were uh, a different station. It doesn't
2: matter. It's just file footage probably at this point. Because I I shouldn't say he's a bastard, but I'm saying he like because he was because I kind of I kind of was jacking him up a little bit about it. I I said, "Hey, are you gonna have that shot of the bouncing volume meters?" And he goes. Oh, no, no, we've moved on. People are onto that. We don't use that anymore. And then apparently they did use it. All right. Well, they see, you can't, indeed. you know, you can't fight the tape. So, um, but Byron and I were talking about how I lack the ability to speak in sound bites. In fact, the only time I ever speak in sound bites is when I'm not meaning to. And when I say something like, I'm a hot gay man, let's you know, bring it on. That Byron, though, has really nailed the ability to speak in a soundbite, which I know is his. And I say this with absolute respect, because, you know, it's the media and you got to do what you got to do to get noticed. And I, I, so I say this with absolute love. The Byron's whole thing, I know, when he came in that day, because you know they, they, Byron got laid off at the Willamette, and he's at ByronBeck.com, dot com, and he's uh, you know kind of, as they say, b- branding and imaging himself right now, which is a, a valuable skill and something you've got to do in the media, and no shame in that. But Byron's whole thing was when he came in on Wednesday and was trying to speak in sound bites so that he would be guaranteed some FaceTime on the news, and he was much better at it than I was, mm-hmm. and I and, and he I, had
3: his crap together
2: on friday and i and i just over the years have just i have tried to you know i've learned the skill over the years of taking as long as possible to say everything because i got like five hours a day or whatever to fill uh but whereas byron said well i talked to sam last night and he said this and i was like all right he's he's good because he was he was really bringing it with the isolated sounds final email here then we'll take a break subject line of this email boy toy rick dude uh i just looked at sarah's blog uh, the picture of Sam Adams' boy toy. What is up with the cowboy hat? Is that how a gay guy gets laid? You just put on the cowboy hat and go to town. I can't really speak for the uh, gay community on that score, sir. I.
3: Uh, we need to find someone to speak for the gay community.
2: What's find a the young, young gay men in cowboy hat. Let's find a Chinese <laughs> waiter to speak for all gays everywhere, Sarah. All right, uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And I got two great stories right here that we'll get to. All right, it's 503 733 nine seventy. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Back after this, my friends. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It's five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Much to do today, my friends. Uh don't forget. Wait, hold on. I've forgotten. Don't forget one random on air color today wins the Han Solo collectible vinyl statue from Things from another world, which is I can't stress this enough. You really are I was going to say you really ought to come by and bother Dave's in just so you can look at the, the Darth. Don't do don't, to don't Dave. do that. Don't do that. But uh, if, I mean, if you have actual business to conduct here, uh, just go by the front desk and just uh, just take a look at that Darth Vader statue up there, which is which is fantastic. Now we're not giving that one away, but I think you can actually still buy it. I think there's some left. Uh, T F A W. That is Things From Another World. T F A W. dot com slash Rick. You can uh, save 75 percent off select Star Wars vinyl statues. You can also save 70 percent off if you buy them in the store. Just tell me you heard about it here, but uh, today we'll be giving one away. It's uh, Han Solo today, tomorrow, Obi-Wan, and then, uh, I forget about the day after that. Oh, by the way, just last week for the Glorious Bastard of the Week, we gave away, it wasn't a vinyl statue, but it was this sort of huge, uh, like, model thing, and it was uh, it was uh, uh, Yoda and Palpatine, and it really is just so unbelievably freaking cool. Lisa Wood and I were looking uh, in the prize uh, closet, just kind of going through and seeing what was left, it's like one of the best things I've ever seen. So really, I I can't recommend those uh, strongly enough. You go to tfaw.com slash Rick. Uh, we will uh, do some uh, news and some whatnot here in a moment. Still to come today, Hick Watch, Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, Obama Watch, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, uh, and uh, other things of that nature. Okay, sir, I got two stories here. We'll call this number one, this number two. They're kind of apropos of nothing. They're not watches, but I do want to kind of get to them. I want to make sure that we get them to this, so I sort of set them aside for myself. One, two, one, two.
3: I'll go for the one with the picture.
2: All right. <clears throat> I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Or at the very least, I'm reading this directly from, like, Whatever the news. place
3: claims for it to be true.
2: It's from the Daily Mail, as made famous in the Beatles' uh, song Paperback Writer, Sarah. Well, here we go. This is from the Daily Mail. This is, I believe, from Friday. I am not making this up. Former French president, Jacques Chirac, hospitalized after being mauled by his clinically depressed poodle, we have here from the Daily Mail. One of Europe's finest newspapers.
3: Poodles aren't anything that sneeze at. They're kind of scary.
2: The very best part, and, and really, uh, one of us, either you or I, Sarah, should actually post this, because the photo is really, it, it, it is, it's so unbelievably great, but it becomes exponentially greater with the story. Because, seriously, they show, and I apologize for doing this, but Sarah, you got to look at this picture. Okay. Look at the poodle in question. Doesn't it look... It looks like Max. I mean, it looks like my dog, but it's like the tiniest, most harmless-looking dog you can possibly imagine, but it does have what must be called a kind of an evil stare about it. It does. It's a little... It has doll's eyes. No, it, eyes.
3: it looks a little evil, you can tell. Yeah. It looks like on its breaking point. Just kind of like Muppet gets that look. Seriously,
2: that's a, whole, that's, a dog that, uh, enough. that's a dog that has a pile of other, other little dog bones in the backyard hidden somewhere. Uh, former French President Jacques Chirac was rushed to hospital after being mauled by his own, quote, clinically depressed poodle. That looks like a Maltese or something. That doesn't look like a poodle. It's miniature. It's the tiniest dog. The 76-year-old statesman was savaged by his white, yes, Sarah, Maltese, uh, which (laughs) suffers from, I guess they're using poodle in a sort of colloquial sense, was savaged by his white Maltese, which I, I can't stress this enough, is the size of a tennis ball, which suffers from frenzied fits and is being treated with antidepressants. The animal wackily named Sumo, had become increasingly violent over the past few years and was prone to making, quote, vicious, unprovoked attacks, Chirac's wife Bernadette said. The former president who ruled France for 12 years. Boy, this is not the kind of story that France really needs uh, to restore their standing uh, and and their impression among Americans. Ruled France for 12 years, mauled by a, a dog the size of your hand. Was taken to hospital in Paris, where he was treated as an outpatient sent home. Mrs. Chirac said the dog went for him for no apparent reason. We were already aware the animal was unpredictable and was actually being treated with pills for depression. My husband was bitten quite badly, but is certain to make a full recovery. The former French first lady did not reveal where on his body Chirac was bitten. The pet, named after the Japanese form of wrestling, was given to the gift as Chirac, uh, given as a gift to the Chirac from their grandson Martin. So there you go. I'll uh, I'll put this photo up. I gotta make a note You've got it. You've got to. It really is. It's quite. Are you gonna something. read both of them right now? It's no, no. no we gotta uh, we gotta actually introduce Don Taylor because otherwise I'm gonna go way behind. Hello, Don Taylor. How are you? Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot all about that. Look at this photo of the dog. Oh yeah.
9: Isn't that fantastic? Oh, that dog is just staring straight into the camera,
2: just going, I am going to kill him. When little I get black the little eyes. See, that's the thing, doesn't it have like like evil black button eyes?
9: Well the funny thing is that Chirac himself is not looking in the camera. No one in the picture is looking into the lens except for the dog. Like he's just looking right at you like, Oh, I'm gonna
2: guess like, like he sort of knows. Like he's so, he's the only one there aware that we are all watching. I am just biding my time. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of like if the omen uh, were to be, uh, you know, like you'll see that thing online where they go, Glengarry Glen Ross is done by bunnies. This is like the omen as done by poodles.
9: It's like one of those old uh, stock photos of uh, Oswald as he's being taken <laughs> off to jail and he's looking straight into the camera with those Seriously. those eyes.
2: Uh, all right. And then those eyes roll over white. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. I'm going to put... You imagine
9: you... Chirac, like, waking up in the middle of the night and the dog just standing at the foot of his bed, staring <laughs> at him with a little cock <laughs> like.
3: like <laughs> uh, ah, make like, make makes dog go
2: away. And it's somehow much more creepy than if it were, like, a huge dog. Like, if it was a Great Dane or something, I guess, I guess maybe...
3: Uh, maybe because you realize that both your dogs are probably plotting to kill you. I,
2: and I, Yeah, and I think it's, like, the juxtaposition of... And plus the fact that... I, this is the last thing I'll say about dogs... Because I know it's just tedious for everybody who doesn't have one. Uh, but by the way, if I can just say just a little slice of uh, personal uh, editorial opinion here. Do you have any, Sarah? Uh, Sarah, uh, don't do you have dogs? Uh, I have dogs a, a dog. A dog. All right. So, uh, you know, and of course, we, Tim, you know, Tim was a dog person too. So we we were often given the dog anecdotes here. Like, well, did your dog do this? Yes, he does. Is your dog adorable? Why, yes, he is. You know, what about your dog, uh, Mr. Smackers? Well, Mr. Smackers has an ascot that he wears when it gets cold. And we would sit and we would just tell these retarded dog stories. And people would email and they would be like, enough with the dog story. I don't care. This is how people feel about your stories regarding your children. I mean, someone has to say it. I mean, look, I'm not comparing kids to dogs as such. But when you say, you know, so my kid did the funniest thing, no one cares. No one cares. No one cares. Save it for somebody else with kids.
9: When I worked in an office uh, at a newspaper with a bunch of women that all had children, mm-hmm. I would get so tired of the women's story, I would just break in with a dog story. <laughs> just as if my dog story was exactly identical to theirs. Like, oh, Jimmy went to the... Oh, he was at the playground the other day. and this. Like, well, you know, when I had my dog at the dog park last week, and he wasn't getting along with the Spikines, and you know, and they would just give me this nasty no. look like, how dare you tell a dog story while we're talking about our children. They get,
2: Laura has a... Friend who actually gets so unbelievably angry whenever we tell dog stories. Uh, As sort of an adjunct to her kid stories, that Laura won't do it anymore, but of course I now make a note to do it because I don't like the friend. So every time the friend is like, and then my kid, blah, 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 blah. It's like forever. No, but it might as well be. It's yet yet another friend I don't like. Are you
9: ever around your friend's small children and you find yourself playing with the kids like you play with your dog? Yes. Like you're you're throwing the ball and they're fetching it, and and then you start like playing hide it behind you and stuff, and they look at you and and the parents suddenly realize you're treating their child like a dog?
2: Absolutely. Here's the other thing I do, by the way, just in case uh, anybody out there, feels like having your kids over to my home for some reason, Uh, really, unless there's like an actual maiming or death uh, that's inevitable, I don't warn your kids about anything. If I see your kids about to do something dangerous, I'm going to let them do it. I don't care. So, I mean, really, unless there's going to be something, unless it's going to make me liable for some sort of injury, unless there's going to be like an actual, like an eye put out or something. Your kid starts to do something dumb at my house. I'm just going to let it happen. You know, I, that's I the might, only way they learn. I
9: might actually say something just in a real offhand manner, like, uh, "Hey, uh, Bradley, you might not want to actually stick your hand in there." Well, here's and uh, then
2: that's about it. Here's a perfect example: is uh, before he uh, before he passed away, my uh, hedgehog uh, Ramon did not care for uh, being handled by anybody but, but myself. And in fact, he didn't even really care for Lara. Uh, I was the only one that could really pick him up. And uh, you know, hedgehogs they. You know, they get weirded out, you know, they, it's like a big coo- coosh ball, but made out of like spikes. I mean, it, it hurts. I mean, they're they're pointy and pokey, and 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 they get very, very. Uh, you know, the spikes are very rigid. They lay down flat uh, when they're calm, but the instant a hedgehog is threatened, it's just sort of like, you know, and it's it's sort of like um, uh, what am I? What am I? Th- it's like uh, it's sort of like the shields on the Batmobile in the '89 Batman film. You know, shields, you know, and. So I saw, um, and I would keep him down on the floor, like I'd, I'd taken a bookcase, and I'd, I've now gone from talking about dogs to about hedgehogs. I'd taken a bookcase, pulled out the shelves, and just put it on its back. And so it was like a little enclosure, like a run for him. And so there was, it wasn't on a shelf, wasn't anything. You could absolutely, you could, you could reach it, uh, which is fine, because a hedgehog is a sort of, that's a self-regulating system. Because when someone tries to get a hold of him uh, that shouldn't, uh, that's not going to happen. So I saw this kid, there was somebody over at our house with this some ill-behaved child, you know, covered in smuckers jam and graham crackers and hate, and so the kid I saw wandering down the hallway, and I could tell that he had noticed the hedgehog and was going right to pick it up, and in my head, I thought that, "Warn, don't warn. warn. Don't warn! Don't warn! Okay. And then I just went back to my conversation, and in my head, though, I was just counting down. And about 40 seconds later, there was just a blood-curdling shriek, like you would never. You know what? And that's one. That's one goddamn kid that's never going to touch anything that doesn't belong to him again. So there you go. I
9: uh, just to, one last. I I have to be extra careful with my dog because she's a pit bull mix. So my dog is this. Like most pit bulls, pit bulls. Most people don't realize this. Pit bulls are extremely human-friendly dogs. They love children. They love people. That's one of the reasons they can be trained so easily to be dogfighting. They want to please people. They right. love people. But they have such a bad reputation. So the thing is, you have to be extra careful because if anything goes wrong with someone's kid, it's going to be the evil pit bull mauled the child. Right. So I always am in this position of you know, taking the dog out and the kid comes up and goes, can I pet your dog? No. Can I pet your dog? No. Where are your parents? They're over there. Okay, if your mom comes over here and stands here while you pet the doggy, you can pet the doggy. Otherwise, you're not touching the dog. If your
2: mom signs this waiver and this uh, release of all responsibility and authorization, then you may touch the dog for half a second.
9: Meanwhile, my dog's standing there, like, going, I love the child. Let me lick the child. I'm like, no, no, you can't lick the child.
2: Uh, Final, uh, this isn't really about, and by the way, I have to sort of apologize in advance. I'll have to reword this email because it'll not come out the way this guy wants it to. Here's how the email's written. The email, and I'm, this is not me. This is, how, this is how the email is written. Kyle emails in. Kyle, if you're dateless, this is why. The email says, Speaking of dogs, I don't think you touched Kelly Clark when she was on Outlook Portland this weekend. <laughs> now, of course, Kelly Clark was on talking about dogs and talking about the impact on oh, pet owners the of the infamous
3: economy. Oh, thought you were groping her? He
2: says, uh, he says uh, I don't think you touched. So he's not, of course, you know, he's simply saying, because it was dogs for oh, the subject. But the way the email is written, it could sound awkward. Uh, he says, uh, I didn't. I don't think you touched her when I saw Outlet Portland, but you were very close when you told your first dog story. Well, all right, there you go. I
9: recorded that, and I actually watched that last night, and I didn't see you. I didn't notice you touch her at all, much less certainly there was no groping.
2: See, and so maybe it was during a break in filming or maybe it didn't happen at all. Maybe it only happened in the big den of crazy that is my head. (laughs) By the way, Kelly Clark, I forgot all about this until just now. Kelly Clark's going to be in the studio on Wednesday, so that'll be nice and awkward. (laughs) All right, and I think that Liz Hammer's well, maybe be here you can so restrain t- yourself. It's going to be like another all chicks and me show. Liz again. Hummer, the the redhead girl. I believe that is Wednesday. Both together. Yeah, They're and that's then also you. Uh, wait, who are you talking about?
3: Wait, who are you talking about? What? The one who came in and told the poem.
2: No, no, no. That's uh, that's Courtney Hommeister. Thanks, thanks so much for that. Oh no problem. Oops,
3: did we not talk about that on the
5: air? All
2: right, thank you. I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> maybe we should break and reset.
2: Hi, Don. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I love all that news we've gotten done so far. Yeah. My fault. Huh. Anything else you'd like to say before we get a break, Sarah? Uh,
3: not that I can think of That's now.
2: great. Thanks. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Don Taylor is, uh, is here. And uh, later on, we'll talk to Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. 303 And just a minute I swear to God, we'll start the news out. Uh, let's see, we got the phone calls to get through. I posted that picture of the poodle, by the way. If you go to uh, rickemerson.com, you can see this photo of Jacques Chirac, who is the former president of France. And it is the great photo where it's like him uh, and someone else, maybe Mrs. Chirac, but then the evil poodle in question staring blackly at the camera. I mean, it's so great. It's just the best photo ever. Especially when you consider this is a fact. This poodle that I guess later on in the night was covered in his master's blood. So there you go. Uh, and this is all true. It's 50373. Speaking of this is all true, remind me to tell this great Eddie, uh, Eddie Izzard story later. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Have you seen that Eddie Izzard story that's going around that, that yeah. is true?
9: Uh, oh, about, yes. I did see that. About the it's, guy, it's the hospital? Amazing, yes. Yeah,
2: it's like, and I went and I read it online to make sure that it was in fact a, a real story. And it is, so I will read that. Um, so during the break... I forget exactly how this came up. Uh, we were we were talking about some. Oh, you were we were talking about Gone with the Wind during the break. With Don Taylor here uh, from Film. dot com, um, and Polidori chocolates. Yes. Uh, and I was uh, I was saying that I'd never actually seen Gone with the Wind, which makes me like a bad person. But but the, the, the Gone with the Wind is one of those movies that has permeated the culture to such an extent that I feel like I don't. I feel like I've already seen it. Like I just so every time I go to rent I'm like, wait, have I already seen this? I think I have, but I haven't. It's just that it's everywhere. And I was at this uh, birthday party a while back, and a guy was saying he'd never seen Psycho. And the same thing. Psycho, great movie, Uh, different from the other Hitchcock films, still very good, but you feel like you've seen it, even if you haven't. And then you were saying, Don Taylor, that you... And now you have to recreate this whole conversation, because Sarah wasn't actually listening.
3: Did it look like I was
2: pretending? I thought you were politely averting your gaze so as not to start a fistfight.
9: Well, first I admitted that I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia. Right. Which is sort of my secret shame, that it just has never happened for me in my life that
2: I don't let seen. Stacey Wilson find out about that
9: but I also admit that I have not only have I never seen Titanic when <sighs> it when it came out it was so overhyped and it was it was so everywhere that I just got angry so I refused to see it and I finally just I, I went the longer I went without seeing Titanic it the became, more you
3: resented it and the more it became
9: an issue where I just decided I refused to ever see
3: Titanic you know who else is your never Kelsey Kelsey and her friend have a bet. They both refuse to watch Titanic. You know what? It's your loss. It's her loss. (laughs) because every sick day that I have, I will just sit at home and cry. Just, I love that movie. I love it. I think it's, it's genius. H- it is. It's, it's hilarious. Well, it, really it
9: does have Billy Zane in it.
2: Uh, oh, did, that
9: kind of, hes like the worst part
3: of now, it. Now, did you say oh. that
2: you and your husband have actually made a pact? We have though? made a
9: pact to never see. Uh, That's Kelsey Titanic. and her friend did too. Yeah.
2: Well, you know. So you and Scott Daly agree on uh, one more thing. You know what?
3: I'm just saying, you're poorer for it, Don Taylor. You, you really are. Really like it.
2: You're, but it's look. Here's the thing. It's James Cameron. How can you not it's support amazing. There's James death, Cameron? It's There's
3: destruction. There's like a manhunt. Like. They're like six feet of water. as they're like they're traipsing through, you know, um, like ice cold water with a crazed Billy Zane trying to kill them both.
2: Yeah. I'm just trying to appeal to the film nerd part of you.
9: I I should probably uh,
2: I should. It's a have, fine film. It really yeah, is. It's, it's quite a wonderful film. Made me made me uh, made me cry like a I child. I just I have
9: I have this knee jerk reaction when I feel like something is being crammed down my throat. See, and I just don't want oh. to do it. And 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 when Titanic came out, I felt that way. Oh. I felt like it was just. I, it was like you have to see Titanic. Is the you have not only do you have to see it, you have to see it twenty times. I'm like, no, you have to dress like the girl in the movie, and you have to buy the action figures, <laughs> and you have to buy have the to- blue diamond, <laughs> and listen to the soundtrack, and you have to be in love with Leonardo DiCaprio because he's dreamy. And I was like, no, no, I won't.
2: No. Really, this is just the best thing ever. I this is I was saying during the break. This is why you become one of our favorite people, Don. Um, I just... All I'm going to say about about this is that. No, wait. All I'm going to say about that is this. I think that you are... Thanks so much. Today, Don Taylor learns to love. I think that you are misremembering because everybody did see it, but if you remember... Okay, I was bracing for the vocal. Um, if you remember, really, the ad campaign... They really didn't... The ad campaign did not shove it on everybody.
3: It didn't shove the romance part. I remember just, like, the destruction. It was mostly the underwater footage at the beginning.
2: And there was a lot of TV ads, but it wasn't like there was a huge marketing blitz for it, because I think the studio thought all was lost anyway. Because if you remember... That movie was just considered, it, even before it came out, people were writing it off and they were writing off camera. They're like, this is it. He's overreached. He's doomed. This movie is a huge disaster. It's a boondoggle. They were calling it his heaven's gate. Uh, you know, and they were t- you know, it, it was just going to be a massive failure. And the studio had started to cut their losses. Like, screw that. Like, we, like see it, don't see it. We don't care. We've already lost too much money. Um, and then the movie itself became, it became really huge. And it also, if you remember this, I'm now defending a movie that's like 15 years old. (laughs) Well, well, you and I are both kind of touchy about taking it. Because, because, and I'm not, and I'm not saying you are this way because you haven't seen it. So please please believe me when I say I'm not lumping you into this. I am lumping Scott Daly into this. Uh, Because he's just sort of, because because he's just a little too hip for the room. And so therefore, blah blah blah, can't like Titanic, and which is the same reason he embraces Wyatt Earp over Tombstone. And it's just one of those things oh, I just, you're just can't. wrong about I know, that. that's what I'm saying. So, but if you remember this about Titanic, that apart from the soundtrack and of course stuff you could buy, like you know, like the, the actual DVD, there is no tie-in merchandise to that film. Cameron himself always took great pains to point that out that there is no there are no plates or glasses there's no collectible whatever like there I is no there was a uh,
9: Mattel Barbie doll with her wearing the uh, the dress from is the Is that uh, well, I, the box I don't I don't I'm remember Barbie dolls but I remember it, but I think that was that was sometime after the movie had been released.
2: Yeah. I remember
3: them releasing the Heart of the Ocean like you know the necklace um but it wasn't a movie release I remember it was some like hack thing like yeah. you know the Obama plate online, like uh, yeah. like on TV. Cameron
2: himself uh, you know took great pains to never release any merchandise, because he's like, you know, he's like, well, you know, 1,500 people are dead. I can't really have, like, a bendy action, like, a poseable action figure of Jack Dawson, uh, you know, with, like, amazing freezing action or something. Like, it's just not going to work, oh. so.
9: See, now, I would have bought that. See, and, yeah. oh, even you know, without
3: seeing the movie. Man, and I was, like, deliriously sick, and I'm watching the end of it. It's like, 1,500 people went into the water. Only six
1: were recovered. <laughs> six. Eh.
3: And the boats never went back. I'm like, and so I'm like, oh, God. And then at the end, oh, and when it has the flashbacks to all of them waiting for
9: her in
2: the and, and can I, I was ju- a wreck.
9: I was a wreck. Did you go to the OMSI thing where you could walk through and be like one of the people on the Titanic, the the, no. the, the traveling show? Uh,
2: okay, let me just... Okay. okay, now that we're just talking just about Titanic, you know what it is? I'm just going to dive right into this, so to speak. Um, so, a couple other things to say. One, if you remember this about uh, about Titanic, it is... It was a... Li- I mean, yes, it's a big studio film, whatever. That, you know, not everything can be made for $15 like on a VHS and like Sweep Sundance. So it is a big studio film from the guy that did Terminator 2, whatever. That being said, if you remember Titanic was truly a grassroots phenomenon in the sense that, again, no one expected it to do well at all. The studio had written it off and it was the fact that um, it did this impossible thing. It did this thing that never happens, which is that every single week, The attendance went up and up and up. And normally, even with the strongest of films, it'll open strong, maybe have another week where it does really well or outperforms. But then it's a slow, gradual decline. And it's just a question of how slow is the decline. Titanic, though, was one of those very, very rare films where the attendance started to go up every single week, which never happens uh, because people were seeing it repeatedly. They were seeing it multiple times. And then I will tell you this, though. Here is the moment where I could see that the titanic mania was going to start souring in the mouths of the audience. Here's where I could see. It was when I saw an Associated Press story that teenage... Which might be true for all I know, but there was an Associated Press story that came out that I was obliged to read uh, on my radio program that said that teenage girls were having, quote, crying parties.
6: Oh, my God.
2: I'm not making this up. I mean, I'm not saying it actually happened, but I remember reading the story from the Associated Press. The, uh, the crying parties where they would get together, they would just put on the soundtrack, and they would just sit there and sob for like an hour.
3: Wow. Those <laughs> girls were not my friends. And then
2: they'd have, you know, brownies or whatever. No, whatever. I made my
3: high school boyfriend go with me to
9: that movie three times. All right. Final so You schooled me just... on the Titanic, and I, uh, I'll tell you what, this is my vow. I will, uh, in the... In the Course of the next I week have it on DVD, if you'd like to borrow, I, it. I, I will borrow I've got Titanic a three from you. Three I disc
3: will collector's watch
9: this. Oh God, we're such dorks. I, don't I will care. watch Titanic this week, and then when I come back next week, we will. Yeah. I will
3: cause I really, yeah, because you do the DVD review. So I would, I would actually really be curious. You know, uh, 11 years later, what, um, how you think it holds up? 11 years. Later. I will say this. You know,
2: some of the some of the CG is, uh, you know, not not that great because Cameron. Tried to hold it back again, because he delayed it like nine times. But was... there's
3: some epic scenes, though, that just stick in your head, like all the people under... Oh, yeah. Do you remember in the ballroom? Yeah.
2: I, no, no, no! Don't get me wrong. I mean, the movie, technically speaking, is still really great. Cameron, though, if you he delayed it a hundred times or something, and the studio finally was like, "Screw that!" Like, you're, it was like Chinese democracy. Like, you're releasing it. And, and he, he was, did
9: he torture his actors on this one,
3: like he he did, did Harris he Harris on did. the
2: Abyss? Dude, you got to read. Okay, final. She swear the
9: prom Swears that she will never work with him again.
2: It's the final thing because he called her Kate Ways a lot.
1: Um, well, I
9: also even now she's doing she does interviews uh, for Revolutionary Road. Yeah. She's back together with with, with DiCaprio. DiCaprio, and and she was very uh, polite. About Cameron. Cameron the is thing. a bastard, though. That's yeah. the
2: thing. There's no bones about it. Uh, that's why he makes such great movies. It's just, he's such a such a dick. But uh, two, two things. One, there's a book called Blockbuster, which is quite good. It's, it's an analysis of the Blockbuster movie, how it came to be, and how it has affected the American film industry. And they have a whole section about James Cameron and Titanic, which, again, was written off. Everybody was like, it's a big disaster. It's, it's a failure. Uh, and then the first reviews came out on Ain't It Cool, actually. And I think it was Harry Knowles who posted the first review, and he's like you know, masterpiece or whatever. Um, But the crew, uh, Cameron was given to such insane fits of screaming and tantrums and lectures. At one point, there was a cameraman who was questioning whether to shoot from a certain angle. Cameron's like, okay, then you're going to come down and you're going to go around to the back and you're going to come up gently and then you're going to angle down. And the camera guys, you know, said like, James, that's not going to work. And Cameron was just like, do it now, do it exactly that way. And the camera guy was like, you know, I went to I went to film school too, James, and I know how to, and he didn't even get the rest of the sentence out. And Cameron was like, you are effing fired. Get out of here. Take everything, for, take his badge away. Get the F out. I, you know, I will ruin you. <laughs> but the but this crew, the gigantic crew at one point, about halfway through the shoot, they made shirts that everybody started wearing to work. And they said, you can't scare me. I work for James
1: Cameron,
2: which <laughs> is like the best thing I have ever heard. That's I mean, that's amazing. so great. But I will tell you. That he, that Titanic though, you know that stupid. You had me hello. The here's when, no lie, I was uh, hooked in that movie. I was I was completely under the spell of Titanic. Thirty seconds in, I mean thirty seconds in. As soon as uh, they do this sepia tone like slow motion vintage film thing of people waving on the uh-huh. deck, and then you hear the James Horner. At that moment, I was like, all right, this is the I'm best done. thing ever. The yeah, only I'm, I'm thing
3: in. that bothers me about it is uh, at the end, you know. Sorry, don't you. You've seen it. You know, the I actually, into... I actually know how it ends. is this a shocker? But like when she's floating on the door thing, and his, you know, his hand is frozen, and she like right. unsnaps him, and like she's just like crunched. She's like, I'll never let go, Jack. As she's letting him go, oh. to like yeah. with his like crunchy frozen body down the thing, I'm like, how can you possibly be saying I'll never let go as you unsnap him from your body and let yeah. him go into the ocean?
2: Also, the fact that the, uh, also the fact the captain is wearing contact lenses. Anyway.
3: Is he? Yes, he is. How do you know?
2: Because if you look, you can see him. My <laughs> God, the guy, the what's his name, Admiral Smith or whatever his name is, the guy that... The one who boldly holds on to the wheel. Seriously, yeah, contact lenses. Hello, Don Taylor. Hey. I'm sorry that you had to come in to be lectured by us
3: I... about
1: a movie that's like 100 years old. No,
3: see, Don is... She's not, No, she's down with it because she's admitting that it isn't because she's too pompous. Yeah. It's yeah. because she was overwhelmed with yeah. and how much it was shoved
2: down. There lots of movies I haven't seen because I'm too pompous, but this isn't... Um, and all that said... You know, really, see it or don't see it. I, I respect your taste as a critic. No, great no, comic.
9: I am making a note right now. See Titanic this week. Read book. All right. Do Titanic homework.
2: Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. Should we play that opening news sounder? Let's do it. Bada bing. And now, now on the
1: CBS Radio and Center that an hour ago. Portland. This is the news.
9: Oh Lord. Now, following that. Okay, a uh, a man opened fire outside a downtown Portland nightclub Saturday night, killing two girls and wounding seven other people before shooting himself in the head. Uh, Detective Mary Weed, a police spokesman, says the shooting does not appear connected to gangs. There's no indication the man had a relationship with any of the people he shot in front of the Zone Under-21 nightclub last Saturday. Uh, by the time police arrived, a teenage girl had already died. A second teenage girl died after being taken to a Portland hospital. The victims have been identified as 18-year-old Ashley Wilkes, who attended Clackamas High School and planned to study abroad, and a 17-year-old exchange student named Marta Paz de Navoa, who was from Peru and had been staying with a family from White Salmon, Washington. Both girls were part of a group of exchange students at The Zone to celebrate a birthday. An employee from Kells, which is right across the street, I believe. Right right next door. Yeah, next door. Was one of seven other victims who was rushed to to area hospital Saturday night. By mid-morning Sunday, two had been released, three were in stable condition, and two remained in critical condition, including 18-year-old Susie DeSousa of Italy. Portland officer said the suspect in the shooting, 24-year-old Eric Ayala, was taken to an, uh, the hospital in critical condition. He lives in Milwaukee. Detectives haven't been able to determine the motive, and they said the shooting didn't appear to be gang-related.
2: So is the guy dead? The, the, uh, the shooter, did he shot himself in the head, do we know? I, I heard it's critical condition, but we haven't heard that he's dead or no, right We haven't
9: there. heard that he's died.
2: Yet, right. so. Well, maybe, though. Here's the thing. It would be... Um, it would be really satisfying if he if he if he was dead, I suppose. Uh, but you know, because then it just has it. You know, then you can just sort of you know, then then the story is. I guess it there's some, I don't know, color, that's not what I'm looking for. You know, but I mean, it's a. Uh, yeah, there'd be, yeah. I, I think you know, at least that. Yeah, God, at least that like puts a puts a sort of a period on it in in the sense that if he lives, then it's just going to be. All of it, you know, there's the growth of the trial, and like, is he is he crazy? And then if he's crazy, then everybody's gonna be pissed that they can't that we can't try him. Uh, but if he's not crazy, then there's gonna be just this whole, you know, the trauma again of going through the de- prosecuting and everything. But on the other hand, you you do sort of want him to still, you know, to, to be alive and to pull through. So so for once, because the thing with these stories is the guy always just offs himself at the end, and so you're never able to get him in a room with Andy Sipowicz. You know, who can just beat him with a hose until the guy goes, well, here's why. Uh, uh, there was a leaf blower, and it was just one fight. You know, whatever. Whatever the reason, even if it's a crazy reason, like, you just want to know why. Like, what is the deal? Uh, so uh, he shot himself in the head. So, it, I mean, I guess the general consensus is that it's probably it, – he's not going to make it through, or at least he'll be uh, permanently brain damaged in some way. But I'm, I'm looking at the Oregonian. This is today's uh, Oregonian Monday, January the sunrise edition. And uh, so apart from the actual story – I'm just going to make a couple notes here about, about the actual coverage here in the Oregonian by Steve Mays, and Saker, and Michelle Cole. At a certain point in whatever you call it, right in school, it seems like they ought to – is there no class you take in journalism college or whatever it is you all go to now? Is there not some class where they teach you not to start articles like this this in 2009 – Eric Ayala was a quiet man. Oh. I swear seriously? to God. That is the this first... This is going to make you mad. That is the first sentence.
9: Oh.
2: Eric Salvador Ayala was a quiet man. I swear to God. This is the Oregonian. That Oregonian. is the first... That's the first sentence of the article. And, uh by the way, he was also, uh, Don Taylor, a bit of a practical joke.
3: And a video game
2: player. And a video game player. He played... Uh, Left for Dead, Don. Well. One of the things that brought him joy, Don Taylor, was playing video games such as Resistance, Fall of Man, or Left for Dead, where the object, Don Taylor, is to slay fighting zombies. But more than anything, and we know that this is the most important thing because it's what they led with, the front page of their newspaper, which is relevant now more than ever, if only to convey the knowledge that Eric Ayala was a quiet man.
9: I don't want to shame the writer there uh, by ahead. naming them uh but i you know i w I worked in news for almost ten years in some capacity or another I've edited. A newspaper, you know, a small community newspaper. I edited a small community newspaper that we was a bad newspaper that I privately referred to as the Hooterville Herald, and I would not have let something like that go by. Yeah. Who? That's my question. who is the editor at the Oregonian who who signed off on that and said, "Oh, that's a great lead. That that's terrible."
2: Yeah. Would you also uh, Would you also like to know that the article contains now? To be fair, this is this is a quote. But I got to imagine you put a microphone or you know you get a, in front of somebody with a notepad they're talking for 5 10 15 30 minutes and you know it's like with anything else like when the coin was here last week filming us they film us talking for however long and then they pull you know that they pull like you know 60 seconds or something from it an area talk show host blah 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 Byron Beck so you got to figure the Oregonian went to interview uh you know like, cuz what do they always do it's like uh, you know, the, the movie The Paper with Michael Keaton, I've never worked at a newspaper, but I suspect it's pretty accurate in a lot of ways, because immediately they fan out, like, you, friends of the victim, you, friends of the shooter, you, the timeline, you, Art. Um, so not only was Eric Salvador, Ayala, a quiet man, they say in the Gotta first sentence. The those
3: quiet ones, <laughs> yeah.
2: The, it, it does, in fact, have here this exact phrase. Quote, he was a quiet person, he kept to himself. So there you
9: go. And he played video games. Yes, and because he played that's video games. relevant. That's relevant. We know that you know. You know that's. If the, somebody uh... shoots somebody in real life and they happen to also play games that where you shoot people, that's relevant.
2: I have to say that uh...
9: I play Big Buck Hunter constantly.
2: <laughs> really, this. Uh...
9: I play Lego Batman, and I don't put on a cape and
3: run around jumping off of rooftops. I'm not out, like, shooting rhinos and zebras every day.
2: I have to say, this really has been a banner month for the print media here in Oregon in terms of uh, of really breaking the hard news and getting the pertinent facts done. (laughs) All right, there you go. Fearless local publication reveals consensual affair. Relieved citizens breathe sigh of relief. All right, uh, here's Don Taylor.
9: On a completely different note... A pensioner who got trapped under his own sofa survived for two and a half days by drinking a conveniently placed bottle of whiskey. Hey. Yeah.
2: I barely knew her.
9: <laughs> Joe Galliott first became ensnared by his sofa when he tripped over a phone cord during a power cut, sending him tumbling onto the sofa. This made the sofa flip over, landing on top of him and, tripp- and trapping him underneath. While he was unable to get out from under the furniture and had no food or water, he was fortunate enough to have knocked a bottle of whiskey within reach of his sofa prison as he fell. Uh, He told the son... I didn't have the strength to shift anything. I never had anything to drink except for that bottle of whiskey, and I sipped on that. Does
2: it say what kind of whiskey it was?
9: No, uh-huh. sadly. Although there is hopefully a photo of someone drinking a glass of whiskey. Because, you know, you've <laughs> got to have a graphic. So of what course. did we find? Oh, here's a stock of so a hand coming out from like, underneath the couch. Oh, somebody drinking a glass oh, it just, of it nothing to do son. with the story at all. It's just
2: somebody drinking. I mean, really, it just is a matter of time before we start picking up newspapers and everything. is just stick figures that have been, you know, that have been drawn.
9: The 65-year-old was fine. Finally rescued from his ordeal when his grandson painted him. Paint, painted him? No, his grandson did not paint him. His grandson paid him a visit and called for help. He spent five days in the hospital recovering from his sofa hell.
2: <laughs> I love the sun. We well, see, the great thing about the sun, not unlike the New York Post, is they just don't care. They have no shame. You know what I mean ju- they just embrace the muck they just get right around they just uh, they just roll around in it. so excellent. well let's see uh, let's see what the people have to say about things. Hello hi, you're on the Rick Emerson shock, and I hope you
7: Hey, Rick, hey. This is Jim. what's up? Um, if we could roll back for a second, uh, I think that Don needs more information with regards to holding off about seeing uh, Titanic. Um, are you being story... sarcastic? Well, no, uh, okay. my story is is that that I waited over 20 years before I watched the movie E. T. And everybody was saying, Oh my god, you have to see that movie, you have to see that movie. I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. Good for I you not caving in the peer pressure. Yeah, and then I watched it and I and I thought to myself,
2: that's it. Yeah, E. T.'s not very good. That's the kind of a secret. That's the sort of that's the horrible truth that nobody in my generation really likes to talk about. E.T. is not a very good movie. I hate to say that, but it's true. Well,
7: Okay, then, then why did I have that shoved down my throat for so long?
2: Well, see, that is, though, see, the difference there, that is, like, behold the heavy hand of marketing. Because, the, because there there is no sure way to make sure that half of America sees a film than to make sure their kids scream at them to go see it. And there's no sure way to do that than to slap the, as, as Mel Brooks says in Spaceballs, We put the picture's name on everything! And it was just, you know, it's all merchandising. I remember going to see E.T. when it came out. I was 10 years old in 1983. I went to see E.T., and I hate to I hate to try to make her sound like a Johnny Hepcat, but even when I saw E.T. for the first time in the theater, knowing nothing about it, I was underwhelmed and didn't care for it. But because at the age of ten, I was a ten-year-old boy, I wanted to see something scary, and I was disappointed because I thought E.T. was going to be a freaky, like space monster movie. And then at the end, it was like he was just this Jesus guy with like a bendy hand, and I just and it didn't really do a whole lot for me. So, but you that and a candy a, addiction. Exactly, that was. So that was the whole thing, is just the power of Spielberg and the studio to manipulate parents via their kids through the power of candy and toys.
9: We also live in a society where uh, people, particularly pop culture things, people insist that you have to see the same things that they've seen and you have to love them. Right. People will be just on you going, what do you mean you don't watch The Sopranos? You have to watch The Sopranos and you have to love it. And they'll and they'll like do everything except resort to fisticuffs if you right. say now.
2: Right, and that's there was a great Onion article at one point. Uh, no, it wasn't the Onion actually. In fact, it wasn't the Onion. It was actually a real post on a place called TV.org, which I quite like. But it was a, and it was when the Wire went off the air. A guy actually wrote an article about the Wire is off the air. Thank God. Now I have to listen. To all my friends demand that I watch it. <laughs> F you. I don't care if it's the best thing in the history of television. I'm never gonna watch it. Never, 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 never. You know. And so because people at a certain point do get very sort of apoplectic if you haven't seen things, and I'm guilty of that, sir. So, no, you're not alone on that front, my friend.
7: Okay, hey, uh, real quick, though. Yeah. Um, the best scene in Titanic for me, I saw it at the uh, Eastgate Cinema, mm-hmm. which had the biggest screen in Oregon. Uh, the best scene in that was when the three propeller blades came up out of the water. Yeah. It was uh, – I've seen it on that large screen, those big propellers – really brought into proportion the,
2: how big Titanic was. Oh,
3: and even, it's creepy too when you see the propellers again when it's slowly, after it's split in half and it's slowly sinking down you see it go under the water.
2: And that's the, that's the thing, is like, you know, Cameron, I mean, I'm saying the bleeding obvious here, but Cameron is just an astounding filmmaker, and the idea that that on a screen that is, I mean, however big that screen is, I mean, the actual boat is what they call very, very large. And so the (laughs) idea that on just a screen of, whatever, a couple hundred feet by a couple hundred feet even, even if you're seen in some OmniMax kind of a thing, that they can sort of convey the scale of that ship. That's all That's all James Cameron. I mean, that is what separates James Cameron from the deri- you know, derivative hacks that have sort of been ripping him off ever since Terminator. So, all right. Thanks Thank you, so sir. Ever. Thank you, my friend.
9: You know what I love about your show, though, is I was here last week, and I mentioned that I, I hadn't seen the inauguration. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. I come here and say I haven't seen Titanic. <laughs> the phone lines light up. Exactly. Well, <laughs>
2: You know there are things that matter, Donna. And there are things that we only pretend matter. So, all right. Uh, I will say this. Look, I think we, I think we all know this is actually, this is, this is true. That, that there are probably more people um, in this country who uh, have actually felt the, the impact of Titanic on their, uh, on their lives than probably have most presidential administrations. I mean, really, in an actual, like, real, everyday kind of a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know. All right. Pardon me. And uh, I had some other point I was going to make. And no, I got nothing. All right. You're listening to the KCMD Portland. Here's Don Taylor.
9: State officials say two more people in Oregon have fallen sick in a nationwide salmonella outbreak, bringing the Oregon total to nine, just four in the past week. Federal officials continued to issue recalls. More suspected sweets and snacks were pulled Friday as the list of recalled items topped 180. The Food and Drug Administration has set up a searchable database so the public can verify which items have been pulled. The outbreak is linked to a processing plant in Blakely, Georgia, and has sparked the recall of 31 million pounds of peanut butter and peanut paste. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said Friday, 488 people have been sickened in the outbreak in 43 states and Canada, and six have died.
2: Oh, okay, wait, so, I have to, so not just nine people... I must have misheard this. So the Oregon pe- total is nine. Is so, or, so this is like, but it's like 500. Okay, so that's an actual thing. Yeah. That's an actual problem, because do, if you're going to say, I thought it was nine people sickened everywhere, but that's just here.
9: And it's also, uh, it's worth going, they don't have the actual website here, uh, unfortunately, for the database but it's worth going and looking up um and again getting back to the thing you know if you have children there's a lot of food that you might give your kids that have peanut butter in it. there's also a lot of pet foods that have peanut butter in it and
2: there's and there are pet foods on the list as well that you shouldn't be giving your pets things that might have salmonella and this is so it is salmonella it's not just it's not just a new virulent strain of the peanut allergy which is laying waste to a generation (laughs) all right here's Here's don taylor
9: uh, Mayor Sam Adams said Sunday he will not resign, despite calls for him to step down after admitting he lied about a sexual relationship with, and I'm, a man of legal age of consent. I am not going to use the word teenager That here. is
2: liberal bias, Don Taylor, and I won't have it. Damn you
9: and your propaganda. We're using facts. <laughs> Adams released this statement of intent to the media Sunday night. Tomorrow I go back to work as your mayor. I know I have let you down and made mistakes. I ask your forgiveness. I believe I have a lot to offer the city I love
2: during this time of important challenges. The city that he loves one at a time, by the way.
9: Beginning tomorrow morning, I will be back in my office doing the work that the last twenty years of public service have prepared me for. If in fact I can get into my office.
2: Did you ever did you see it on TV? I didn't. See, I haven't. It was I guess I can say it was Nate Baker. A uh, friend Nate Baker works at K2 told me. And he said, that Sam Adams goes up, tries to get into the city council meeting, door won't open, key doesn't work. And he said that, like, he was doing that thing of, like, hello? Anybody? It's Sam. I'm the mayor. And I, and I guess he had no choice but to talk to the media. But it was on KGW, so I'm going to have to track it down.
9: But anyway, he went on and tough economic times, blah, 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 uh, worst financial landscape for the businesses since the Great Depression. In the coming weeks and months, Portlanders will rightfully judge me not by my words, but by my ability to deliver results for them. That's crazy talk. Yeah. He wants to do wacky, crazy things like improve the schools and prioritize city spending to protect vital services. I have to ask this. Crazy, crazy man. Did
2: you see the new uh, photos of Bo Breedlove?
9: I did not.
3: You got
2: to go. Are you online over there? Yeah. Okay. You got to go to uh, Oh. uh, Dot. I just put the
3: worst, best one up.
2: Really? Okay. (laughs) Do you have a link to the others?
3: No, but I... Yeah, do
2: that right yeah, there's a there's a whole i i'm i'm guessing again that these are photos taken from bobreed loves uh, myspace page that somebody sort of archived it's you know it's like it's what you do with anything online if you're afraid that it's going to be taken at... down
9: oh my oh my goodness you see what i'm saying look is that at a that reflection i i believe that's a reflection or just yeah but i don't understand like people keep saying it's a reflection. i do not see reflection
3: i don't either.
2: understand of what it would be a reflection
3: well the... i don't understand when reflections look drippy like,
1: Wow,
2: wow really? when reflections look drippy but tonight yeah
9: it does you know I, I i think it probably is some kind of a or just a bad scan or something but mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. it's, it's a bad Oh
2: bo But if you uh if you go to uh, com, you can see one of these photos of Bo Love.
9: Alright i'm putting the link up now and the I, unbuttoned pants and the cowboy hat could we be more of a cliche
2: I <laughs> The, I mean, it seems to have done the job, though, let's be honest. I mean, let's, I mean, really, can we – look, Don, here's the thing. You don't put what you like to eat on the hook. You put what the fish like to eat on the hook.
3: Yeah, I Am you. I right? All right, Don, if you refresh it, there's a link to the
2: you, – Yeah, you got to look at the other photos. They're fantastic. So, But like with anything, I think we're all probably on the same page here, too, in this uh, fast-paced, technology-driven uh, world, that if there's something you think will be taken down from the Internet – you immediately save it to your computer. and
1: a
3: picture of Timmy Ryan like, like kissing the dog. Or they do a lot of touching, kissing, even
5: fisting with one another. Yeah. By the way, which is
2: now taken down. But you know what? I have it forever. So it's, it's here. It lives on on the PC for time immemorial. But I think somebody put these, took these Bo Breedlove photos off his MySpace page because they knew that he'd privatized the whole thing. And so now they're posted at Gawker. And I mean, it really is, speaking of Billy Zane, it really is a whole lot of like, look at my hot gay body. Kind of thing.
9: I I went to art school and um I was taking a a drawing class, a life drawing class, and so we would draw the naked models. Mm-hmm. And my um my my art teacher was a uh, a out proud gay gay man, and he was a lovely teacher. But he did have a guy come in once to pose for us. They set up a uh, a sawhorse and put a big western saddle on it, and the guy came in and sat on the saddle naked. And had a cowboy hat. Yeah. And it was so hard to work that day because I just couldn't stop giggling because it was the most ridiculous thing.
3: Seriously, isn't that, like, all hard
9: and... What? Well, it didn't look... Yeah, it didn't look comfortable.
3: No, I mean, I'm just saying that really, I mean, that's hard for a female. Like, saddles are uncomfortable to sit on. And imagine if you have, like, more stuff going on down there. That would be, like, even more so.
2: Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh, Speaking of Titanic, I don't... And saddles... (laughs) I a don't a nude
3: horseback riding. A nude horseback riding. <laughs> I, do tell
2: I don't know what it means to ride side saddle.
3: That's like when you go on the side of the horse.
2: But like on the horse, And there's is you're here. standing just like standing on the side. Why would you do that?
3: Well, first, well, well when you were late, when you were younger yeah. and you were a lady, it and would they be didn't an want to, to open your legs like
2: really? that. Really. That seems really yeah. dangerous to be on the side of the horse. He's going to scrape you off. If you go through a tunnel They also had
9: uh, their actual saddles that were designed specifically ah, for ladies to sit on them Side. It
2: was improper to be uh, opening your legs in any way.
9: Mm-hmm. Yes. All
2: right. Unless you're in that Cruel Intentions 2 movie. Um, by I the don't w- know.
9: By the way, I don't know how to refresh uh, Windows
2: Explorer because I use Firefox. I think there's a, okay, it's a, the a little green arrow right at next the top. to the... No, Windows Explorer sucks.
9: I don't see a little green arrow. Uh, Internet Explorer. Or... This is Internet Explorer. It's awful. Oh, those. Okay, there.
2: Yeah, for some okay, reason... I I,
9: everything's in different yeah, places.
3: I have
2: to apologize. Oh. Firefox isn't on there because we never use it. If we used it, Firefox would be on there because...
3: Well, I can't use Firefox over here because I can't play any
2: sound on it. Just Let I me read this. One, one, uh, one email here on KCMD Portland. About the Eric uh, Ayala story, is it Ayala? Ayala? Ayala?
1: Who?
2: Uh, Whatever, the shooter. The oh. shooting guy. Um. Anyway, we were talking about how they lead off Ayala. with... Ayala. They lead off with he was a quiet man. This guy says... Um, Chris says, the Oregonian is dumb for more than one reason, Rick. I think the thing that angers me the most, he says, about the Oregonian and its hard-hitting first sentence about this story is that while being cliched, uh, it is also supremely and ridiculously incorrect in its usage. Using the past tense was in the sentence means that either A, this alleged sick person is already dead, or B, he is no longer quiet. The correct sentence would run something like this. Attention, uh, Steve Mays, Ann Saker, and Michelle Cole at the Oregonian. The correct sentence would run like this, quote, He was a quiet man and will likely remain so now that he ate a bullet after performing this horrible act, end quote. He says, I'm glad they're treating this tragedy with the coverage and regard it deserves and checking their grammar as they do it. Chris, there you go. Well, they're doing more with less, sir. Uh, Here's uh, Don Taylor.
9: We have a Hick Watch.
2: All right, here's uh, your Hick Watch for uh, whatever today is. Monday? Monday. i the Rick Emerson.
1: Copenhagen makes me feel so good. Copenhagen, the way I know it should. I want to let you in my mouth goes
4: spitting, slobbering all around the house. But Copenhagen makes me
2: feel sick. All right, here is Don Taylor with your Hick Watch for Monday.
9: George Eisenhower. George Eisenhower Jr., the uh, president and owner of Image Productions, an Ohio company that promotes monster truck uh, rallies. I like what I'm hearing. He was killed on Sunday oh. when he was hit by one of the giant wheeled thundering vehicles that he loved so much as he stepped into its path <laughs> near the end of a performance.
2: Okay, I felt, I felt really bad uh, for laughing until you said stepped into the path of the monster truck.
9: He was pronounced dead Did two hours.
2: Intentionally? <laughs> Does it matter? He, I guess it's he was... a monster truck. It's not like you stepped into the path of a clown car.
9: Yeah, it's, it's not like it was a Prius sneaking up on you at five miles an hour so you couldn't hear it. <laughs> um, he was pronounced dead two hours later at the University of Wisconsin Hospital uh, from major, quote, crushing internal injuries, according to Coroner John Stanley. Our preliminary investigation shows neither Eisenhart nor the truck driver saw each other before the collision. How is that possible? <laughs> Not possible. Well, I don't know. If you think that if they did see each other, maybe he wouldn't have been
2: crushed. I mean, there's so much to work with here. I can buy that the monster truck maybe wouldn't see a pedestrian. It, the corollary to that doesn't really work, though. It seems implausible to me that, like, Gravedigger is thundering down the road towards you. <laughs> I don't care how loud your iPod might be, friend. That seems like a thing you might notice in your peripheral vision somehow.
9: The uh, coroner said that the family told him that monster trucks were his life, and he was very big
2: on safety. Monster trucks were his life and also his death. Also, I could have done that. I could have done this one. I could have done... Uh, I could have done... the monster. What's his last name? Eisenhart. I could have done this. I could have done the, uh, the monster truck and collision with said monster truck did in fact turn Eisenhart's uh, insides into a giant mud pit. <laughs> mud pit. Is it funnier that way? No. Well, no. It's,
9: it's Dead. Okay, it's funny, but wrong.
2: Okay. I could have done this. Uh... Wait, hold on. I'm trying to do the uh, buy the whole seat, only need the edge. No, I got nothing. All right.
9: A website devoted to the monster truck business, themonsterblog.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, also expressed grief over Eisenhardt's death, calling him one of our industry's best and brightest, a man committed to providing fun family entertainment in the safest manner possible. Well, he said he, at about 9.30 p.m. Saturday, just before the rescheduled end of the show, after the huge, growling, raised pickup trucks had rumbled over a host of other vehicles, leaving them crushed, Eisenhardt walked onto the staging floor. I can't tell you Why? As, uh, but he was a quiet man. The Dane County Sheriff, who said he's taken his own two sons to the show of the past years. I think this was a very tragic accident, and that's what our investigation shows. By the way. So just randomly walked into the ring. I think I had a cat like that <laughs> once. He was like he was sick and, and old and he just decided to walk out into the street and get hit by a car, and I've always thought that it was suicide. And I think that's it. I think this guy now I I shouldn't say this because I don't know. It's just my personal opinion. Maybe he just went, you know, Oh, he was only 41, though. It's not like he was, like, you know, at the end of his year. going to be
2: like, this is as good as it's going to get kind of a thing. Maybe. I'm going to go out
9: the way I loved and lived by monster truck.
2: The idea, by the way, that the guy who, quote, walked in front of a monster truck and didn't notice it... That he was one of the industry's best and brightest is n- n- not perhaps a uh, positive... Re- <laughs>
3: I'm like an oxymoron.
2: Not, and not a good reflection on the relative uh, standards, perhaps, uh, in that industry.
9: We all have our off moments, uh, yeah. just some are more deadly than others. That
2: is, that is true. There's your Hick Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
4: All around the house makes me feel so...
2: yeah. And you know, there's probably like a really good, like an obvious grave digger pun I could have gone for there as well. I didn't do that either. I sucked. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
8: You know, I don't know how you couldn't notice that. Those things are like two stories tall and deafeningly loud.
2: <laughs> it, it does stretch the bounds of credulity, yes.
8: It really does. So, hey, back on uh, the earlier segment of the program, yes. somebody's... Gave me something completely unexpected this weekend. Did this require
2: a trip to the clinic?
8: No, uh, actually it was you.
2: Did this require a trip to the clinic? I'm sorry. (laughs) It's
8: it's from Rick
2: The Law of comedy. Yes, thank you. What are we talking about?
8: Yes. Well, this is Ethan from the
2: Jonathan Cult. Oh, uh, this is Ethan at the Jonathan Cult. Jo- okay, yeah, so Ethan and his daughter, uh, Mara, were there. Yes. And so Laura and I were kind of uh, walking through trying to figure out, you know, we, we, I, I think I was actually looking for Kristen Bowie, who I, uh, was there as well, and I wanted to make sure she'd gotten in, uh, Don Taylor, and uh, and your, your man friend. My husband. Husband, why well, did he? You hit. didn't call him <laughs> me. Okay, I didn't know. My I, heterosexual I, life partner. Well, here's the thing. is like I, I, like, I know you're married, but then I call your cell phone, and it does, it just says, like, your full name and his full name. So I didn't know if this was. I mean. Oh yeah, I
9: don't. Yeah, says, I, I don't know how me.
2: it is with have you all, with you, with you people. I didn't know it <laughs> might be like a real sex thing where there's like you might be a whole house of you married together. I don't know. Um,
9: Maybe there is.
2: Anyway, so we saw uh, uh, Don and Patrick, and then there was. Uh, I was looking for Kristen Bowie. So my wife and I are walking around, and then we uh, saw Ethan and Mara, and I did that like jerk move. It always just makes me feel like such an ass. If I could have one superpower, like a Jedi sort of thing. It would be to always remember names and faces and uh, people that I have met, in this case, like nine times. Because he's like, hey, you know, Rick, you know, whatever, best show ever, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. And, I, and, of course, what did I always say? I said, and Sarah has seen me do this a million times. What did I say? Have we met before, sir? You know, pardon me, have we met before? And then Ethan, to, be, to his credit, kind of, he's very gracious. He goes, yeah, like three, three different times. But don't worry about it. It's it's okay. It, you know, and I felt like an ass uh, because I can never, you know, I could just never remember. Um Anyway, so you were there uh, with your daughter. By the way, it was a very, very profane uh, show, <laughs> filled with much adult content. By the way,
8: My how did your uh...
2: form large? Okay, well there you go. So that
1: explains there you go. It.
2: But <laughs> then uh, anyway, but so I had completely, you know, I didn't remember his name, and I felt like a jerk. But then afterward, uh, I was able to get Ethan and his daughter the hookup with the uh, the meet and greet and the uh, the the handshaking and the signing and the and the, and the, and the hey hey. So uh, so how did that work out that for you, a, sir?
8: That was awesome. Jonathan Colton, just the nicest guy. We went up there and everyone else had left, so it was just me and Mara with Jonathan Colton following the storm. And it was just really cool.
2: Excellent. Well, was your uh, did then, your daughter think it was cool?
8: Oh, totally. She's totally geeking out about it when she got home, told mom about it. Right on. Yeah. And then we ran into Kristen Bowie upstairs and then she was totally geeking out to Jonathan Colton. She, was Kristen break.
2: was there clutching uh, her uh, her copy oh, of Portal, her orange box. Uh, oh, you... I was
4: trying to get this signed last time, yeah. and I just got stuck in traffic. And... Yeah. That was funny. It
2: was, it was, a, it was a great show. It really was. Yeah.
8: Oh, it was awesome. All
2: right. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time, and I'm glad you guys were able to meet him, sir.
8: Yes, and
7: thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank
2: you, Ethan. <laughs> oh there you go so hmm. ethan yeah so i was able to uh, to get those guys kind of the uh the, the, the hookup which i i don't say to be all about me but just because it was the only way to assuage my catholic guilt over forgetting his name so
9: see if you watch lost it would be easy to remember his name because ethan is one of like the creepier people he was, well, on he's lost. one of the others he was killed though whenever i hear the name ethan i think of, of that guy mm-hmm. nothing against our listener ethan who is probably not creepy at no all. No,
2: no not creepy at all all right here's Don taylor ladies and gentlemen
9: a feisty raccoon. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to... I have to this is a penis watch.
2: Really? Wait, oh, is this the, the one that we had to, uh, to modify? is the one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's Don Taylor with your penis watch take from a Monday. look oh.
1: at my oh. enormous penis. By
2: the way, singing this penis watch song, hey, Paul and Storm, who uh, opened for Jonathan Colton. Bow, bow, bow.
1: Take a look at my enormous penis. Penis. Elena, everything is going my way. Bow, bow, All right,
2: Dawn Taylor.
9: A feisty raccoon has bitten off a pervert's penis, as said pervert was trying to force himself on the animal. Which is not what it actually said in the story, but Sarah fixed it, so it was was nicer. Alexander Kirillov, 44, was on a drunken weekend with pals when he leapt on the terrified but toothy furball. When I saw the raccoon, I thought I'd have some fun, he Ah. told stunned casualty surgeons in Moscow. Now Russian plastic surgeons are trying to restore his mangled manhood. He's been told they can get things working again, but they can't sew back on what the raccoon bit off, said of pal. That's gone forever, so there isn't going to be much for them to work with. Wow.
3: Why would you, I mean... Who looks at a raccoon and goes, wow, that, that infected little thing looks
1: good? I've
9: been pretty drunk, let me tell you. There have been times in my life I have been pretty drunk, and at no time have I looked at... A possibly rabid wild animal, and thought, you know, raccoon. The category sex sounds like a good idea. They're totally right in now. the category of animals you run away from, not like to <laughs> <laughs> And
2: you know, and and here's the thing: we get these stories every now and again about somebody having illicit congress with one of God's other creatures. So, look, uh, just let's. How do we put this? Let's put it in a sort of relative statement. Even in some weird altered mental state where that seems like a good idea, why would you pick a raccoon? I mean, those I things, as Sarah pointed out, rabies. Hello. Also, what are those things called? Razor sharp claws. Also, fangs, she- fangs. Fangs, indeed. I mean, I, every now and again, I'll be out walking uh, one of my dogs or both of them, and there'll be a raccoon that walks, you know, crosses our path or whatever, and I immediately, I'm like, "F this. We are going inside right now." Those things are terrifying.
3: And they are not scared of you either. And that makes no.
2: me even scary. Oh, out. they'll kill you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll, they'll We. Uh, the scariest moment actually that I ever had with any sort of a raccoon because they are, they're just, you know. They're just, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I don't have anything against them person. I'm just saying they're sort of freaky. They're kind of terrifying. Uh, I was walking, this is just when we just had Max. I was walking Max, and a raccoon crossed the street, and then I realized that it was like a, I guess, one of the like either the mother or the father is a parent, and then like four younger raccoons following along. And that's creepy because on the one hand, it's five raccoons. On the other hand, you realize that it's a parent, and if they even think you're going to screw with one of the kids, like they're going to take off your whole face. And at that point, and Max has no notion of self-preservation like he he is just so convinced that he is like the biggest baddest thing on earth and so i i i sensed him getting ready to leap at the raccoons and i was like oh this is going to end so badly uh and so i had to immediately lean and pick him up and like bolt inside the house before they decided to teach him a, a lasting lesson so seriously if you're drunk and looking for love find something without teeth i've seen that hookers at the point show on hbo it's not that hard Here's your penis watch. A look for uh, a enormous
1: penis, yeah. and my troubles start to melt away. This is part of your particular penis, genius, by the way, is that you can go
9: from man attacks raccoon to
2: toothless hookers yeah. in the space of just, you know. Well, it's to make up for the fact that I don't know any of the state capitals. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. Sienna Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir.
0: That's, that's a great way to make up for not knowing the state capitals. I, you, you know,
2: everybody's given,
0: uh,
2: what is it in Boogie Nights or is it? Everybody's given one special thing. Uh, my special thing is just uh, to make jokes about genitals. That really is my only skill, sir. And
0: uh, you're, you're class A. Adam. Yeah.
2: Can you, how uh, uh, can you name state capitals?
0: Uh, a few. <laughs>
2: Do you know the capital of Rhode Island?
0: Oh, boy. Um, Rhode Island. Hold on. Smallest state in the Union. Are you
2: looking it up on Google as we speak? No,
0: no, no, no. It's between Connecticut and Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. It's on on Route 95 and the way up there. I know about all the speed traps and the corruption there. Uh, It's uh, it's not Newport. That's where they have the jazz festival. In
2: my head, by the way, I'm wondering exactly how long I let you just sit and ruminate on the state capital of Rhode Island before we (laughs) move on forcibly.
0: Uh, is it Providence or no?
2: You realize that I don't know the answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, this okay. Well, this is a whole failed bit just now. Well, we'll remove this whole thing later on. Uh, how are you? How was your weekend, sir? Uh,
0: the weekend was a very productive one. There was a lot of news here in New York uh, on Sunday. Uh, uh, an unusually busy Sunday. For uh, New York Newswise.
2: So, you got, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, uh, we we're going to talk about the, the stimulus uh, package here in just a second. But now, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, mm-hmm. it, for one thing, well, what is it? So, that so that other woman, the, the woman who's not Carolyn Kennedy, so she's in, right? That's done.
0: Yeah, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Do you know the New York Post has already dubbed her New York's Sarah Palin?
2: Really? Uh, is it because of, uh, why again?
0: Because uh, she has limited experience. And she comes from a hunting family, and is uh, she's backed by the NRA, and which means you have to vote lock, stock, and barrel with the NRA on their issues uh, in Congress. So in order to, to be endorsed by them, you have to go along with ev- every single one of their uh, viewpoints, their, their initiatives in Congress. So uh, she comes from an upstate rural area, and there's a lot of controversy because there's a uh, huge effort underway in, in the cities of New York, uh, dealing with keeping uh, guns out of the hands of criminals and, and limiting access to weapons in general.
2: I got uh, three things to say. A, it's interesting that Sarah Palin has become a sort of brand name. You know what I mean? She's the Sarah Palin of blank. B, doesn't the word rural seem like it's missing some letters somehow? Like there ought to be another consonant or like a hard T sound or something in there to make it easier to say.
0: I would say that is a very difficult word to say when you're voicing a script.
2: Yeah. You uh, know what-
0: You know what what another one is? Hmm. Withdrawal.
2: Withdrawal, that's no good. See, I can do that one, but I can see why people have trouble with it. Yeah. Uh, And then my final thought is, let me ask you a question about the NRA. Uh, And I'm not like an anti-gun guy, but this is a thing I'm curious about. Does the NRA think you ought to be able to own like a full-on machine gun?
0: I I don't want to say because I don't know the true answer to that. I would say the impression that is given uh, by by people who are uh, voting with the NRA on a regular basis is that uh, they feel there is a need for semi automatic weapons when you are hunting or when you are living in an area that is very sparsely populated.
1: But
2: I'm not talking about like a semi automatic weapon, which is where you've got to like pull the trigger each time. I mean, uh, like if you were to ask the NRA, do they, I mean, I'm not saying that they encourage breaking the law because right now the law is that you cannot own one. But I'm like, do I want, does the NRA believe that it ought to be legal to own like an absolutely just full on screamingly automatic machine gun? I'd be curious to know about that.
0: I, I can do the research. I don't know the true answer to that.
2: All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Guantanamo Bay. Uh, so, so is this? To, I, I mean, it's an executive order, which I guess does have. I mean, I guess that's beyond the reach of. Is that beyond the reach of of appeal or law or you know what I mean? The overturning. Like if if Obama just says like Guantanamo Bay closing in a year, done. Is there anything? Is that it's just gonna happen?
0: Pretty much, because it is on uh, a an armed forces. Facility. Uh, so, uh, the, uh, you know, Lisa, Lisa Desjardins would definitely know uh, the more technical uh, uh, ramifications of, of an order like this. But pretty much, the president uh, can say, "That's it. Uh, you know, I'm closing this facility because the facility was was created by the executive office." So, uh, much in the same way that they opened the facility uh, under under George Bush's direction, they can close it under Barack Obama's. But. The the relatives and we should uh, stress that there are many different families, groups, relatives of the victims of the 9/11 terrorist attacks. So one does not speak for all, but this one particular group of of relatives of the 9/11 victims uh, have been very vocal about this order, this 120-day stay of prosecutions for these guys who are already on trial, or had been on trial, or were about to go on trial and they are very upset about this because these are guys who already had uh, criminal charges filed against them and, and trials were, were underway at, at Guantanamo, and now all of a sudden they, they've been halted while uh, the Barack Obama administration looks into each individual case. So these 9-11 family members very upset. They are demanding a meeting with Barack Obama, and they also do not want... The detention facility closed. And
2: so, color me stupid here, because I'm, I am just a kind of a, an average idiot American on many things. So, Guantanamo Bay, the big selling point of Guantanamo Bay, like from from the prosecutorial point of view, or if you're, you know, from the man's point of view, is that it is not subject to U.S. law and like the pesky the Bill of Rights and all that, right?
0: Well, that's the gray area. You know, the uh, the constitutional rights organizations, all these attorneys. Who uh, do pro bono work for them have been arguing that it does come under constitutional law, and the executive branch for the longest time has said it does not—that it's a special case. So, uh, and these guys are treated as enemy combatants. They may—they—they—they they, they use this term very specifically and all the time. Uh, and an enemy combatant would not be subject to the same rights that somebody who uh, is considered
2: determined uh, by anybody is like a court actually ruled that that is the
0: case. Well, the most recent ruling towards the end of, of the Bush administration was uh, the, uh, the the federal court's ruling that these men were entitled to some sort of due process, and they were holding these uh, criminal cases on site at uh, Guantanamo Bay. Um, and the people who represent these defendants say, you know, our, our federal court systems here in the U.S., uh, that's where they should be tried, that these, these courts are fully capable of of handling cases involving terrorism, in fact, that they have done so on many occasions, and many people accused of terrorist acts have been convicted of those crimes. So, uh, you know, it, it's in, in, in some ways it's very much a gray area, and, and the arguments go back and forth on it. Uh, so the Obama administration has said, you know, let's stop everything where it is right now and let let my guys take a good, hard, long look at this before we make any decisions. But... He wants it closed within a year.
2: Well, this is just my editorial observation, but just in terms of consistency, it seems like if you're going to try Tim McVeigh in, like, an actual U.S. courtroom, then, like, everybody who's charged with blowing something up ought to get charged in a U.S. courtroom. Do you know what I mean? It just seems odd otherwise, because otherwise it's sort of like you're just sort of rolling a multi-sided die to try to figure out exactly where they're going to be held.
0: Well, that's the argument that the defense attorneys make, and they also say that the Guantanamo facility has been a black eye for the United States uh, around the world in, in, in the view of, of people uh, around the world that uh, it, it's not uh, in keeping with our, our ideals uh, what, what America is all about. So it's sort of been a, a – you know, the defense attorneys believe it's been a stain on, on the American way right. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh,
2: and final thing here. Uh, so uh, there's this, this whole – and I, I'm i just going to – I'm going to plead ignorance on something else here. So when they talk about uh, President Barack Obama's stimulus package – is this big package? Big, big package. Keep saying big package and stimulus over and over again. Uh, the uh, but is this like that other three hundred and fifty billion dollars? Is this the same thing?
0: No. the The other three hundred and fifty billion uh, was uh, the money that was for the financial institutions. Ugh. This is this is overarching for the economy. And what's really interesting about this is uh, you know cities have been crying about uh, massive budget shortfalls and having to. Uh, Institute drastic cuts in services and layoffs, and uh, and all sorts of uh, drastic measures to deal with the budget shortfalls. So Barack Obama's administration is going to directly fund some of those budget shortfalls in our cities, and it's it's, uh, revolutionary because usually the feds give the money to the state governments and let the state governments parse it out however they see fit. So uh, a place like New York City wouldn't typically get a proportional amount of the funding uh, when, when something like that happens. So uh, he's giving New York, for example, three point four billion dollars in this package if it's passed. All right. Uh, and I have Anything much
2: else? Nah, I was going to say I have like a billion other things, but you know what? I'm like I'm, I'm so I'm just a, I have a, I'm just a motor mouth today, even by my own standards. So I should probably move on at this point. Are you on tomorrow, sir?
0: I am. And, and uh, just to wrap it all up, still no uh, word from Chesley Sullenberger, the pilot.
2: Okay. <laughs> I just I just like the way that the, the phrase sort of rolls off your tongue. So
0: I like saying his name, Chesley Sullenberger. All
2: right. Thank you, my friend. As always, have a good day. We'll talk to you soon.
0: I could there say that, go. but I can't say withdrawal. Goodbye.
2: There you go. He's Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll get this answer about machine guns, then we'll take a break. Come back uh, with somebody who has a uh, a suggestion for Richie's uh, mixed martial, his cage fighting name. Okay. Uh, so we'll get that around the corner more from Don Taylor as well. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show about machine guns. Eric,
8: hey, Rick. Yeah, hey. You can own full auto machine.
2: I'm sorry. Say one where your phone's cutting it. You can what, huh?
8: I said you can own full auto machine guns in Oregon.
2: Are there any restrictions on that?
8: You have to pay like a two hundred dollar background check that's more expensive than a regular background check. All right. And it's done by the FBI if I'm not mistaken. And
2: like you can't have like committed a felony or anything probably. Right. Yeah, but right.
8: as long as you if you fill it then you got two hundred bucks and if you pass it then they give it to you and it's fine.
2: Excellent. Well you know there's something sort of perversely great about that in America, like I have two hundred dollars. Well here you go. Here's your machine gun. Have fun.
8: In right. fact, in, in uh, Albany, there's a, a full auto gun club. Hey,
2: how much could I expect to pay for a, a fully automatic machine gun? Like, if I just wanted to get it on the ground floor, like, what, what could I expect to pay for just like a like a run of the mill automatic machine gun?
8: Well, like, if you wanted to get a full auto M16 and it costs about 15 grand.
2: Really? That much? Yeah. Uh, that does, I have to say that it actually surprises me. I thought it would be less.
8: Once a year that uh, Gun Club
9: does a uh, full auto shoot where people can go and you pay money basically to cover the cost of the uh, ammo. Right. And they will bring all of their different full auto things like, you know, full Thompson machine guns yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And my husband's been to that. He, is gone and, and, spent the afternoon shooting. We, uh, big scary
2: thing on this program. Actually, uh, we used to have an advertiser at uh, this place called fairly honest Don's machine gun parlor, which was a, the, the private dealer who sold machine guns. And I know that after nine 11, it became a lot trickier for him to sell to citizens. So he kind of, you know, he went to do a different business, but, uh, but he took us out one time when he was a sponsor and he brought like an Uzi nine millimeter. And just like,
0: the, 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 like, a,
2: like a Glock nine, I think was another one. And, uh, belt fed M 60 machine gun mounted on the back of a Jeep, which was like the best thing ever. Uh, and then I've also gone to this place in Vegas where I fired a Thompson submachine gun, the Tommy gun, uh, which was because I'm, I'm, like, I like I myself am too dangerous and crazy to own a gun. Uh, but, but just guns, as long as they're not in my home where I could probably use them on someone, where I probably would use them on someone, uh, probably many someones, before turning the gun on myself, as long as they're not in my home, guns are fantastic. I'm all for guns. Rick Emerson votes the strong gun platform. All right. Thank you, sir.
8: The problem with uh, Thompson's is, is they don't really make them anymore, so those can cost between twenty and 30000 if you want a good one.
2: Well, all right. Uh, thank you. Yeah.
3: Right, there we go. That's what I, I feel about, about guns, too. I don't mind them, well. but I
2: just don't want them around me. No, I think, you know what, I think really, and I, you know, I got no problem with guns. I really, I'm not an anti-gun guy. Just uh, that's that's not a thing I would be responsible enough to own. I would almost certainly misuse that.
9: My my husband's a, a gun guy. He and, and actually are first date, as it were, when I went to his house, he felt like he needed to come clean with the gun thing, and he said, I, I need to show you something. Like showing you his porn or something? Yeah, and he took me upstairs and, he, and into his walk-in closet to show me like all the guns he had, and there was this part of me that, if he wasn't such a sweet, nice guy, uh-huh. that I'm, uh, there's part of me that's going, okay, this uh, ought to be a red flag, that the guy is like, welcome to my home, you let me
2: show you all my guns. You didn't find it strangely arousing?
9: No, I just found it a little... Weird, Because I was just like, okay. Well, well, my dad was my dad was a fireman, but he was an ex-cop. Right. And so we always had a gun in the house, and I knew, like, not to touch it. Right. And not to, But so I'm not freaked out by guns. I just had never shot one myself until I met my husband. On her
2: MySpace page, there's a great photo of Sarah firing an AK-47.
9: That was kind of fun. I took a shotgun class for women. That was like
1: shotguns
2: s- for ladies.
9: Exactly. Yeah, shotguns are my favorite. I did a show. story on it when I worked at the Clackamas Review and I went out and spent the day uh, walking around. It was rainy and cold and horrible, but we basically did the
2: entire uh, whatever you call it. All right, it. we'll take a break back after this. It is 503 uh, 733 Still to come more from Don Taylor. We'll also have Jim Rube from CNN uh, in Los Angeles and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. We uh, continue around the corner. Don't go anywhere, friends.
1: Good golly, Miss Molly.
2: About the uh, Zigfried, there. That's right. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Zigfried. By the way, I'm talking about a guy that, like one one person in the audience, even really. Uh, if, you, if you've met him, he's just he's just this. Um, he's outwardly very normal. He's a quiet man. Um, Does he like to play video games? Does he no.
9: play a lot of Left for Dead?
2: No, no, probably not. But I will say uh, that I went to his home at one point. He lives in a houseboat, boat house, houseboat, houseboat. Secret though. Yeah, houseboat out that in works. like towards Capoose. Uh Houseboat, which is th- one of the uh, most stylish and tastefully appointed homes I have ever been inside. Uh, it really is. Quite astounding. Uh, anyway, but he's Ziegfried is a friend of ours who works in the um, works in the movie industry and he does a lot of uh, big productions when they'll come to town and then he works in a lot of local productions as well. Uh, I think I can say this: um, did Kulingoski give some big speech a week or two ago. No, and Kulingoski given some big public speech a couple weeks back about something or other. I, don't, I don't he know he did. Uh, whatever. Anyway, but so <laughs> Ziegfried was the guy that worked with him on his camera present th- on how to like and how to look and how to how to appear on camera. He worked with him on his, you know, how to. Um, you know how to uh, how to work with the teleprompter and how to look very natural or whatever. He uh, helped. I think he helped supervise Dakota Fanning's Coraline voice work because she was at the studio next door. And he sent me this great text message. I'm playing board games with Dakota Fanning right now, which you know if you know a lot of the humor that comes out of Siegfried's mouth is more than a little uh, unnerving. <laughs> um, what was my point? Blah, blah 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 blah. Oh, he was talking about the, my my bloody Valentine though, and say that it's, just, it's like the best application of 3D technology that he's ever seen. So. uh but but completely moving us, uh, on from that, on Thursday, I should say this right now, on Thursday, I'm going to be pre-taping it at, at like 7 in the freaking morning, so I'm not going to sound very awake, and I'm going to talk a lot like this uh, when you hear it. But we're going to be talking to um, slasher and splatter movie FX genius Tom Savini. <gasps> That's what I'm talking I about right there. Mick Ribb is back. Uh, Tom Savini, renowned makeup artist. Will be uh, our guest on Thursday. It's like a little pre-taped thing I'm doing Thursday morning. We're going we to play back on because he's got this new documentary that I- they just sent to me, um, called Fantastic Flesh: The Art of Makeup Effects, and it is um, it is this Tom Savini. DVD about the history of makeup, how he does it, how to do it. It's got interviews with Quentin Tarantino, Wes Craven, Robert R- Rodriguez, uh, George Romero, Eli Roth, Frank Darabont, John Carpenter, um, because, he, because Tom Savini is the man. Mm-hmm. And if you are a certain type of uh, filmgoer or of a certain age, you grew up watching Tom Savini do makeup. And every time you'd see the credits for any horror movie, it would just say, makeup effects by Tom Savini. Including Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, I think at least the first one, the third one, and I think the fourth one. And
9: uh, he created a lot of uh, movie effects that were used. That just became commonplace. Like, uh, I think he was. Uh I believe it was him working on uh, one of Cronenberg's early film that he invented, basically, the putting the little air bladder under the fake skin right. so it looked like something was crawling under. You know, it was something he just jimmied up on the spot on the set, and it became, like, industry standard. Totally. Yeah. I mean,
2: he, yeah, you're right. He just, he revolutionized uh, makeup in film. So if you're a horror movie fan, you know the name Tom Savini. Also, if you've ever seen the Stephen King, George Romero joint creep show, Tom Savini is the garbage man at the end who picks up the comic book out of the trash and goes, Oh, it's too late. Somebody already ordered the voodoo doll. It's Tom Savini. But as part of that, they also sent me this documentary. I didn't even know this existed. It is a two-disc uh, documentary set called His Name Was Jason. The ultimate I Ultimate retros- what
9: you're going to be doing
3: tonight.
2: I'm going to be watching this, the ultimate no. retrospective on Friday the 13th. So there you go.
9: Lies. All lies. At the end of the first Friday the 13th movie, we discovered that it was not Jason. It was his mother who was going around and killing everybody. And Jason coming up out of the water, that was like a fantasy. That was a, a, a hallucination. that was a, Then every movie that came after that, a lie.
2: Okay, here's what a loser I am. Uh, not only have I seen all, I guess, 11 now Friday the 13th movies, many of them. I mean, here's the thing about Friday the 13th. This is why we were talking about Siegfried. Because we were talking about... 3D movies, and then Siegfried saying that My Bloody Valentine was the best 3D he'd ever seen in the theater, that the technique was, was flawless almost at this point. We had been talking about Friday the 13th 3D because Bobby, uh, Fatboy, and I were talking in, uh, during the break about, I think, of Michael Bay uh, remaking Friday the 13th, and he was asking me if I cared, and I said that I didn't, because here's the thing about Friday the 13th, Don Taylor, critic for Film.com, is that those movies are terrible. They're just crap. They're awful. Uh, and don't remember, I've watched them, I've enjoyed them, I guess, in sort of a horrible way, but they're just not good. There's nothing, like you're not ruining anything by remaking them. No,
9: I'm a, I'm a long-time horror fan, and I, I don't care about the Friday the 13th movies, no. they do nothing for me. I just Just watching people get randomly killed... And particularly, it's not really that well done. No, just, no, it doesn't really do.
2: No, the only one that's that's good to me. I mean, the only one that has any rewatch value is uh, is part six. Jason lives because there's kind of a streak of this weird kind of sort of black humor that runs through the entire thing. But other than that, it's uh, they're just awful.
9: I'd rather just watch a uh, little retrospective of people that I that I know, like Johnny Depp and Kevin Bacon, getting like skewered randomly, because it's like you know they they all made. Their early appearances. Somebody should
2: do that, actually. I'm surprised there isn't a YouTube video uh, of uh, like famous people getting killed in splatter films. And it would be, again, Johnny Depp in The First Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th, uh, Crispin Glover in Friday the 13th, 4, Corey Feldman in Friday the 13th, 4, and 5. Uh let's see somebody else I mean there's probably other people that that I should that I should know well, a whole bunch I went to high folks. school
9: with the first girl who was killed in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film Really? Yes I
2: did. The first girl killed on screen On screen that's pretty whose great. Whose
9: name escapes me, though. She was also uh, Woody's girlfriend on Cheers, if you remember the episodes. Kelly? Where, where they were eating too much because they got, they had gotten thin and they were going
2: back and getting fat. Was it his girlfriend, Kelly, about whom he wrote the song, Kelly, 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 I Kelly, Kelly? I think it was.
9: Kelly. I believe it was. God, i a retard. So yes. you really are. Yeah. Now, but again, like... I'm giving away too of like how old I am if people do the math to go, wait a minute. I'm just giving she away. She went I'm... to school with the girl from the nightmare on out. El- wait a minute.
2: That's okay. Uh Peter Carlin from the Oregonian has talked to us about filmmaker Peter Berg, uh, who made uh Friday Night Lights and Very Bad Things and uh The Kingdom or whatever the the crap some yeah. other stuff. And I guess Peter Carlin and Peter Berg went to school together and uh, Carlin was telling us that apparently if you uh over the years Peter Berg has uh Peter Carlin's gotten older, while Peter Berg has stayed the same age, and I guess now actually officially gotten younger. So just a little FYI.
9: But, uh one of my uh, my husband's aunts, I believe, his mom's sisters, apparently went to high school in Texas with Farrah Fawcett, and swears that Farrah Fawcett is maybe as much as ten years older than she. Oh, did you she is. doubt it? No, but it's like you know, it's just amazing when when she's like going, Oh, come on, she's only whatever she says she is, fifty five, or no. <laughs> I'm 63 and I'm a high schooler. Yeah, I okay. just
2: take it as an article of faith. And by the way, just a final note about Friday the 13th. I can't do it anymore, but just like I used to work with a guy who could name all 20, then 29 Kiss albums in chronological order at the drop of a hat and would do so, uh, I used to be able to name in order all of the different guys who had played Jason Voorhees. Now I can only do, I think, the first four. What's uh, uh Number one, Ari Lehman. Number two, Warrington Gillette. Number three, Richard Brooker. Number four, it wasn't Kane Hodder. Number four was... Somebody. See, I can't even. I can only do the first three now. All right. Let's pretend I didn't do that just now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, I have a double job watch. Here's your job watch for Monday on the Rick Anderson Radio Program. Minimum Ooh, and then i got to get this Sean guy who's been on hold for literally like four hours. Ooh. I'm sorry, Sean. We'll get to your call in just a moment. Here's uh, Don Taylor.
9: Another big... A round of layoffs is expected at Starbucks, possibly as many as 1,000 people, a third of its headquarters employees, plus some district managers and field employees, according to an email sent to a stock brokerage's customers on Friday. Um, They slashed more than 2,000 jobs last year including 1000 in July that included 180 positions in Seattle. At that time about 3500 people worked at its headquarters. Uh, now they're looking at cuts maybe next week or in February. Starbucks has declined to comment on the possible layoffs but they are saying that but it said that if this is going to happen it is of course due to the economy and uh, apparently no barista jobs are going to be in jeopardy though. But um According to the story from the Seattle Times, uh, there have been a lot of disappointments uh, lately. People who work for the the company, store managers, and just as a matter of uh, disclosure, I actually worked at Starbucks myself for I a while. I did too. How long did you work there for? I worked there for about a year. No, I I did three months. Yeah. I, think. I, I and I worked at the I worked at the store in Tualatin, and uh, was that the one that was open like super or, like twenty four hour one? No. Okay. But we did open it like you know. 5.30 in the morning or something, so I had to open, because I was, like, assistant manager, and I had to open it, like, I would get up at 3.30 in the morning to go to work, and it was hell. But
2: working at Starbucks actually
9: not a bad job. I have never,
2: I have never known a Starbucks employee, and I'm not saying they don't, they're not out there, but I've never known anybody who worked at Starbucks who complained about who nope, the job. I, no, I liked
9: it. No, it's no,
3: just fine. Got lots of breaks, got free, you know, pastries. And All the coffee I wanted. Free, got three Free benefits. pound of coffee
9: every week, just hand Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh. Uh, medical benefits for like 20 hours of, a week yeah. or something. So, yeah, so. No, it's it's not. It's actually a pretty good place to work. Although, according to the story though, um, they're, the people who work there are saying that they're getting some mixed messages from corporate lately, which is confusing a lot of them. Like, for example, uh, Howard Schultz, the head of the company, had announced that they were going to eliminate the hot breakfast sandwiches because the smell overwhelmed the aroma of the coffee. Which I ate one of those one morning driving through, and I'll say if they were eliminating them, it was it ought to be because they're terrible. Oh <laughs> really? I loved it. Really? I had one, and it was like the driest, most nasty thing, and I was just like, really Starbucks? Are you kidding?
3: Oh man, no, I had one. I well, should be told though, I've only had one, so Maybe it was like uh, a, a fluke one. I don't know. The uh, Starbucks maybe mine one, like was a
9: fluke. 80 too. seconds. But apparently they decided to keep the sandwiches because they managed. They found a way to minimize the smell by subtracting a piece of cheese. Really? That's what it says in the story. And also, uh, they used to, and Sarah will recall this, I'm sure. Uh, they used to have three-hour or more training sessions. No, I uh, had to go to like an eight-hour. Yeah, I had to go for like a day week one. or something. But, well, because, but I guess they also had three-hour retraining sessions for store workers. Where everyone's cracked out because you had to try like all the little samples of
3: everything. Now, is it not true
2: had? though that at a certain point, baristas were expected to actually uh, make all the stuff? But now you literally, it's like pushing yeah. a button.
9: When I worked there, we actually did uh, use the grinder. We had to, tam- you know, we had to measure it out. Right. We had to tamp it down. We had to keep an eye on consistency and adjust the machines if the if it wasn't pulling correctly. Right. And now you have the yeah, now they just push a button.
2: It's like we did the McDonald's They, where they put the cup under there, yeah. medium.
9: But I guess they had a retraining session where they were showing them how to properly do the espresso and foam the milk, and then. Um, it was decided that a key feature of the training pouring espresso into a clear shot glass to check its quality, was not crucial after all. Now I'm thinking this seems a little nitpicky. Like somebody just goes, you know, we were having them check the the quality, but now we're not. Something's up at corporate. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
3: weird. Remember, they just, like, browned that into, and, like, remember yeah. all the tamps and how you had to do everything by hand? I would yeah. get, like, oh, carpal yes. tunnels. I mean, and now all they have to do is just push a button. <laughs> hey,
2: by the way, speaking of carpal tunnel, this has nothing to do with Starbucks. I'm going to uh, be the first one to say it right now. Somebody out there ought to try to get a little uh, degree of fame by coming up with the repetitive motion industry that's going to result from Guitar Hero. Because my generation had Space Invaders' wrist and Asteroids' ass or whatever. I mean, it, it, they had all these video game injuries and there was like Pac-Man finger or you know whatever the hell. Somebody ought to be coming up with a, with a, an injury or some muscular disorder that you would get from Guitar Hero or Rock Band. You should be doing that. I
1: played
9: Left for Dead for about... An hour and a half, two hours last night, and then you know, I had to stop so I could go to bed. And when I stood up, I needed a massage. Yeah, it was like I was so tense, and I was just sitting there doing something. My my neck muscles and my shoulders were all bunched up. That
2: can't be good for that me. That game is that game takes years off your life. It really does. Oh, we should are we done with the uh, job watch? No, I have
9: one more. All right,
2: get more layoffs to report.
9: Uh, Oregon Health and Science University (OHSU) uh, has announced they're cutting at least 500 and as many as 1,000 more jobs. Uh, they claim that they are Portland's largest employer and the fourth largest Norian. I'm not sure. If, I don't know if that's actually true, although I guess Intel is in Beaverton, so
2: maybe OHFU. Uh, Intel is no longer Fort the, uh, what with all the layoffs that happened last yeah. week, they're
1: probably not. But the they
9: do have 12,400 employees. Um, President Joe Robertson told employees Thursday that investment earnings have dropped and revenue is growing more slowly than expected. He said cuts would reduce costs by 30 to $35 million in the current financial year. Uh, in December... Uh, the hospital medical school complex announced hiring salary freezes, cuts and delays in capital spending, and other measures to deal with the deteriorating economy.
2: And by, not to just to be like you know, the constant buzzkill over here, but I, every, we were talking about the Intel thing last week, uh, and then we know Sun Microsystems is laying much people off. And then I, you know, we got all these listeners at Microsoft, and I know Microsoft is firing people. And that's, that is the one that really freaked me out for some reason. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish anybody else who got fired at whatever Whatever other job, I'm not trying to you know to say that that's somehow less important, but but I think it was actually uh, uh what's his name um the Ali Velshi on CNN, it was saying that Microsoft Microsoft firing people is like the electricity company firing people. That's like a that is like the water company firing people. That Microsoft makes what is at this point in in American evolution a utility. I mean whatever anybody wants to say about Windows, uh you know the the, the stuff Microsoft makes everybody. Needs to some degree or another.
9: There's a car commercial I saw over the weekend. I can't remember off the top of my head what car company it is. Honda maybe. Uh, and they're, they have a new campaign right now where they're telling you that it's it, Hyundai. Is it Hyundai? Hyundai. Yeah. That if you if you sign up to buy a car. We'll be happy to take it back, you know, in a year if you can't make the payment. That's payments. genius. Yeah, if you get fired it over is, the It is, but next I mean, year. the last time a company did this, I think Chrysler or somebody did this back in the 70s when the economy was right. completely in the toilet. And as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, wow, yet another sign that we are in bad, bad shape. I
2: actually, it's funny. I wrote this down right here. This is on my matrix, Don. It says right here, Hyundai or Hyundai, however you pronounce it, Hyundai Buyback. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down to discuss that today because I saw the same thing. And... It's weird that you mention this because that's one of those things that within the last three or four days, like about fifteen different people have mentioned to me. They're like, have you seen the thing where Hyundai will buy your car back? Which is I mean, on the one hand it's freaky because you look at that and you're like, Oh, we are effed. Like we are we are you won't understand what this means, Don. We are in steerage. We are we are down locked in the steerage compartment. Means. Um and uh, you know, uh, uh, we're below the waterline, and and the gate won't open.
3: It's already gone past the four other enclosures. Exactly. I don't know what the word
9: steerage means, because I haven't seen Titanic.
3: Um, on.
2: But on the other hand, I have to say that as soon as I saw that, I mean, I, look, I would be lying if I didn't say this. Last night, my wife and I were watching TV, and we saw the thing with the Hyundai commercial where they'll buy back your car. And we said, "Wow, you know that's that's kind of freaky." I mean, I guess it's cool, but it's kind of it's 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 a little unnerving that we're at the place at the point where they have to acknowledge that if you buy a car, you may be hosed anyway because you might get fired. And I actually looked at each other. We actually said, "I don't know. Maybe this is the time to buy a Hyundai," which I know is the point of the ad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, let's not get ourselves. I kid have two ourselves.
3: good friends that have Hondas, and they both love them. That's I just thing.
2: I'm just like, I know that that is the point of advertising is to get you to buy something, and I got to tell you, from me to Hyundai, whoever came up with that, it worked because my wife and I looked at each other, we're like, well, who, I mean, look, we we've been wanting a new car. So. Well,
9: I I am no uh, Greenspan, but I will give you a little piece of advice here. If you look at an ad like that and you think to yourself, well, you know, I wasn't going to buy a car because I might not be able to make the payments, <laughs> but now that Hyundai's offering this, let's go for it. Okay, right there, just stop. <laughs> This is not a good time for you to buy a car.
2: The uh, as uh, I think Tom Likas was making this uh, this point about you know when people who are going to buy houses, and they're like you know normally you're supposed to be able to put 20 percent down, but these people are saying well look I know you can't put 20 percent down, so uh, 10 10 you can't put 10 percent down. They probably you put two and a half percent down. And Lycus made that point that if you you know if you're really having to haggle about the amount you even have to put down on the house, like it's Stay in the apartment for now, friend. So that's me with the car. So I will probably not be buying a Hyundai. But uh, if I had disposable income at this moment to spend on an automobile, I think I might. There's your job watch on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program.
1: Minimum wage! Yeah!
2: Okay, i got to get this call. This guy's been on hold forever. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program, Sean.
8: Hello, Rick. Hello, Sarah. Hello, oh. Don Taylor. How are, How are you? you? Hi. Hey. I'm KTMD Portland, a CBS radio station, part of the Tiffany Network. Thank you, sir. Uh... Couple things, uh, zombies and Richie Bristol. I got a good uh, good name for Richie Bristol's, uh, like fighting name for when he's uh, in the ring.
2: Because Richie is training, he is not yet a mixed martial arts fighter, but he is training to be an yeah, MMA cage fighter. Also, he's a crossdresser.
8: Yes, it can be uh, the gender bender.
2: I like what we're saying. That's good. Mm-hmm. That sure works like. for me because then it has it's the gender bender because of course he's sort of bending expectations, but then also it could be like he's picking guys up and you know like, like do it like an actual like physical bending as he uh, gets them to submit. Well done.
8: And uh, today, for all people that own Xbox 360s, they released the Resident Evil 5 demo. Now, which is, it's pure gold.
2: Resident Evil 5, and then also this. I know that if you play Left 4 Dead on the PC, Don Taylor, I know that the um, the downloadable content for for Left 4 Dead is apparently already out for the PC because there's the four when you get Left 4 Dead, there's the four main missions. There's uh, dead Air, Blood Harvest, Death Toll, and No Mercy. And I guess the downloadable content, which is I think at least two new missions, is already available for the PC and will be available for the Xbox in early February. So people should be keeping an eye out for that.
9: I just, I just went through Death Toll last night yeah. and I died. Really? I ended up getting swarmed. I didn't make it to
2: the boat. Yeah, they left without me. Here's the, I, I totally know the secret for, for, for surviving that, uh, that map, by the way, if you want it <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else, sir, since I know you've been on hold for a while?
8: Yes, uh, Don Taylor, favorite Cowboy Bebop character? Oh, well, Spike. Uh, I'd say, I'd say Jet.
9: Okay, well, I just love Spike. Although apparently they're making a live-action Cowboy Bebop movie, and they're talking about Keanu Reeves, and that's depressing.
0: Uh, That's gonna be made a fail. Because he's wrong,
9: just
2: wrong.
8: All right. The good good thing about set on hold was that I did win a uh, Han Solo statue, so
2: that was made a win. All right, thank you, sir. Well, congratulations. Special ever. Thank you. All right. Okay, guy.
3: can I just throw in something really quick? So I was looking yeah. at my my Facebook thing because nice. uh, Richie had updated something, and I'm looking at Richie's information about himself. So look at it. It says, current city, Portland, Oregon, hometown, Hillsborough, Oregon, political views. I'm a drag queen. <laughs> w- <laughs> w- dot com. religious views, <laughs> AM970, the talker.
2: All right. I just like that drag queen went under political uh, persuasion. All have,
3: I'm a drag queen. <laughs> All right. I love him so much. <laughs>
2: Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I will take a break here. We'll come back. Uh, Jim Root, more from Don Taylor, and uh, so forth. Oh, and when we get back, I'll tell you the secret to winning Death Toll. Maybe not the winning, but there is a, there is there's a strategy at the end of Death Toll when you're sort of because you're that kind of cabin thing, that sort of boathouse or whatever it is, and you're trying to fight off the zombies before the boat comes. There's a there's a little uh, little secret uh, little secret strategy you can use. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Are you looking forward to hearing the strategy surviving the death toll map on Left 4 Dead? No boy, am I. All right. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. In just a moment, more from Dawn Taylor, who uh, writes for Film.com. Uh, when she's not here, uh, gracing you all with her sparkling wit. We'll also have uh, Mark who wants to talk about Left for Dead, Dan who wants to talk about Don Taylor, and then I don't know a mystery caller on this other line. Uh, before we do any of that, let's welcome now to the Rick Harrison Show from Los Angeles, Absolutely. CNN Radio correspondent and stylish man of the world, Jim Roop. Hello, sir.
4: And a very good afternoon to you. How
2: was your weekend, brother?
4: Uh, it was uh, chock full of award shows, including yeah. the SAG Awards, and uh, interesting show. I love the SAGs because it's only two hours, and I'm in bed by eleven.
2: That's what I, and do they have uh, booze of any kind?
4: Uh not in the house but across the street there's a nice little bar off of the USC campus.
2: Fantastic. Uh I like to think by the way in your head that there's sort of a um you know it's like you can go to those uh, you can go to those ones the map for like Best Western or Motel 6 or something and it shows every city in terms of like where the nearest Motel 6 is like depending on where you are that in your head it's always about like where is there a, like a, a place that sells booze like within a block or two of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Um, it's just, you you're know... makes me sound like a lush, but I'm not. No, 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 <laughs> you know what?
2: You know, you're a man who plays hard and therefore drinks hard, Jim. You know, it's,
4: it's all about the libation at the end of the day.
2: I have to say uh, that I think you were not available for some reason on the day that the Oscar nominations came out.
4: Which is odd because I don't know why I wasn't.
2: You know... At this point, I've I've given up trying to find any rhyme or reason. (laughs) I moved to I've moved straight. You know, what is the fifth stage of grief? Acceptance. I've moved right to acceptance, and so I'll say, hey, uh, it's the single. You know, one of the single biggest days of the year in terms of the. I'm uh, guessing
4: it wasn't a regular uh, producer type person.
2: No, it was a fill-in booker. And I said, uh, I didn't actually say this. Sarah, I didn't say any of these things except to Sarah. I sort of vented at Sarah, who just sort of placated me and said, "Uh uh-huh. And then went back to typing, because she knows to humor me at this point. I think I was actually in here saying, well, clearly they'll make him available, because the Oscar nominations are the second biggest day of the year for Hollywood, and he is the Hollywood correspondent, and we're
0: a... It is the biggest day in Hollywood.
2: And we're a top 25 market on the West Coast. Clearly Jim Roof will be available. And then Sarah said... Yeah, but he's not. So you have to deal with it. <laughs> and then I went, all right. And then I went back to work. So
4: uh, clearly, there's a way to. No, never mind.
2: So back on that for just a second. Every though,
4: time we try that other way, it doesn't I really know. pan
2: out I well. Uh, yeah, we don't win We're never going to call you. Talks. Just so you know, we're never ever no, going to call can't. your been, cell phone I've been ever again. Too
3: much. I can't do it anymore.
2: The last time we called your cell phone directly, even though you had given us permission to do so, seriously, uh, Sarah got such a slap via email that. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that again. So no offense. Um, just, uh, just to dump, jump back on that real quickly for a moment, though, I, and I don't—I really don't know the answer to this. Was it a shock that Heath Ledger got got the, uh, the the you know the nomination?
4: No, I mean if if you take a look at those in the category, the only one who could take, who could snatch that award away from Heath Ledger would be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. Um, I don't know that given the type of roles both of them played that. You, I mean, you can't say that Heath Ledger didn't stretch a little farther mm-hmm. than Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you got to admit too that Heath Ledger kind of carried the flag for that entire movie. Right. Although I love the movie, um, he was pretty much a standout reason that movie was so successful. Now, h- how do you how do you determine how much of it is posthumous pity, and how much of it is actual talent? Um, I, I I don't know how to judge that. But there's obviously um, emotion played in this thing, also. Not that that's wrong. Not that he doesn't deserve it. But I don't think Philip Seymour Hoffman has a chance in hell.
2: Well, and but Philip Seymour Hoffman's already won like 50 different times, hasn't he? Don yeah, Taylor. He's
4: won several. Yeah, he's won several for Capote.
0: Capote, I think the he last, won. I
4: think it was the big one he won. For yeah. Him. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I think he must be going, He's, he's probably gone. Gee, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to win. You know, he can't be angry about it, but he's got to be a little disappointed because it's not really a level playing field. I don't know if Heath Ledger was still alive, how this, what kind of horse race this would be. I think it's still a horse race. I think the the Academy may surprise us.
2: Well, because the, the, the Academy is so weird, though, because on the one hand, they just seem so unbelievably out of touch uh, in that they don't like to acknowledge a lot of films that are not, quote, serious movies. Like, they, they had this well-documented reluctance to embrace fantasy, sci-fi action films, whatever, which is why it was so staggering when Silence of the Lambs won everything, because it's about a guy who cuts off skin and wears yeah. wears like a mom mask or whatever around the house. That was bizarre. I but,
9: wonder sometimes, I wonder too if like, Phil Seymour Hoffman and some of the other nominees just are okay with the fact that they know for a fact they're not going to win. Because there is, in addition to being a good thing, it also there's a lot of baggage that comes with right. that. There's a piece in a uh, recent Entertainment Weekly about Heath Ledger and talked about how he was actually very happy that he didn't win the Oscar for
2: Brokeback Mountain. Because there's always raised expectations, Right,
9: and he didn't want to have to, like, fight with his agents about making
2: these big blockbuster movies. <laughs> then so you're what Cuba what... Gooding Jr. making yeah. Snow Dogs. Exactly. Uh, and also, and look, here's, here's another thing. You've got to know also that if, like, if you're, let's say, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I mean, who is a brilliant actor, really one of the finest of his generation, no getting around it, but you got to know, if you're Philip Seymour Hoffman and you win the Oscar from Heath Ledger, you're going to kind of feel like a jerk because everybody kind of, again,
4: right, yeah, because it's a no-win
2: it,
1: situation. Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: so it's the pity thing, and everybody, and it's obvious, obviously Ledger's last chance, and so everybody, if you win, you know, here, I hate to make this comparison. This, sound, this is so awkward of a comparison, but there's no other thing I can think of. This is like that first World Series after 9-11 when the Yankees uh, were in the World Series, mm-hmm. and it was a whole lot of, like, Dude, you 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 can't beat the Yankees in the first post-9/11 World Series. You will look like a jackass. You know, it just you can't. You don't want to take that away from the you know from from the person who is you know the, the, the victim of the tragedy or whatever. And um and the other thing about Ledger is you were talking about it being posthumous pity. For what it's worth, I've seen The Dark Knight a couple of times now, and every single time. Just a few minutes in, I completely forget that I'm looking at a dead guy. Yeah. I completely forget until the movie is over that, oh, by the way, that's right, he's dead.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that's, uh, that you have to realize when when uh, when people are nominated or when they're up for an award. I mean, the real criteria with actors and those in, in these blue ribbon panels in the industry itself that pick these people, they they really have to consider – if they can get lost in that character and right. forget it's that actor playing that character. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes in. And in that role, you forget that's even a human being, much less Heath, much less Heath Ledger.
2: And it's also not, you know, a lot of a lot of people say, well, it's easy to act, you know, it's, you know, it's the makeup, and that's how you can lose yourself. And that's not true either, because I, I can tell you, I look at a picture of Heath Ledger, I just saw a picture of him the other day, just some file photo of him, and th- there's no way... I mean if you if I even now, if I didn't know it was Heath Ledger, you would never put it together. That that guy over here is this psychotic clown right here, which cannot be said of our friend Jack Nicholson, who never, ever, ever let you forget that it was him underneath the makeup. So anyway. Uh SAG Awards. So um, so where are we? Where are we at with the big uh, surprises at the SAG Awards, Jim Rook?
4: I hate to use the word surprise because, in my opinion, once somebody's nominated, they got a one in five shot of winning, so it's no big deal. I think it was a little surprise, though. <laughs> now that I've qualified that, I'll still use the word that Sean Penn was picked over um, maybe Mickey Rourke, who has been getting the sympathy and the right. and the uh, you know the, the comeback type of awards all season long. Uh, Sean Penn's first SAG award, you know, it's only 15 years old, this award show, but I think for a long time he probably thought, you know, he he couldn't get a sandwich from a fellow actor, much less an award, and here he is. And, of course, he comes backstage, you don't know what the hell he's saying. You know, the guy can't put two, string two thoughts together uh, to make any sense. But Meryl Streep winning over Kate Winslet last night, too, was a bit of a surprise, even for her, obviously. She didn't even wear a dress. She didn't think she was going to win. So I think those were the two big ones. The big disappointment to me is that a lot of the winners didn't come back. And I know the award show season's long, but I don't think it's so much that as, as they're sick of the stupid questions like, what are you wearing? Right. You know, and where are you going to put the trophy? I'll tell you where I'd like to put the trophy.
1: And you know, the, the thing. The,
4: the <laughs> That's thing, what I would say. I'd say, you've got to be kidding me. You asked me that stupid question.
1: The, uh, I
9: hope you win an award for something someday and they actually ask you that.
2: <laughs> Seriously, we ought to create an award show, Jim, just so you can be given a statue and then go backstage and just uh, face. Uh, well, some... I
4: won something Saturday night. Uh, all I said was thank you.
2: Wait, what did you win Saturday? It was just for your. Uh, your uh,
4: I won my sixth golden mic. Wow. Good for you. Yeah.
2: Now wait to so please to please to explain. And I guess maybe as a radio guy I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe I and I feel like I, I don't.
4: The Radio and Television News Association of Southern California each year gives out awards for excellence in broadcasting. I duped them again.
2: And so what is it what specific category did you win?
4: Uh Best News Reporting by a Radio Network. Um I won for the piece I did on the the new border weapons that they're using. You know the paintball, right. you Remember that one? We Congratulations, Jim Rupp. Thank, Thank you, it's very kind. Of
2: Did me. you actually get a little golden microphone?
4: I yes, they give you a statue. It's really nice, very heavy.
2: How many of these have you won?
4: I have six of
2: them. <laughs> wow! Really? Yeah, it's really cool. Hold on, I'm now going to introduce you as six-time winner. Hold on, six-time winner, the Golden Mike Awards. Is that the official name?
4: It's a Southern California thing. It's no big deal.
2: Six-time winner of the Golden Microphone Award. Golden. Anyway,
4: all I, I, didn't ha- I didn't say, I just said thank you, because no there was no press there. We were all getting awards, so no one could ask a stupid question. But I tell you, if someone would ask me, where are you going to put the, what do you care about? I'm going to use it to open a door. you Your keister, pal. That's where. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, honestly, and that's one of the pieces I filed this morning from, uh, from the SAG Awards, is how these stars aren't coming back anymore to talk to us. And I honestly don't think it's because they're sick of award shows. I think they're sick of us.
2: You think of jackass reporters asking stupid, stupid questions.
4: And because now, here's what's going on: the people who do the credentialing for these award shows are credentialing bloggers and people who who you know put together news, uh marketplace magazines and crap like that. I mean, I can't believe all the people that get credentialed for these things. And so they get them in there, and they raise their hand, and they get. They, they get picked before I would get picked to ask a question, and then the the celebrity says, oh, "Okay, that's it, I'm done," and they leave before you can get a real good question in there.
2: Clearly, you're going to have to go in and clean house one of these days. I, you
4: know what? I have complained so much that I think they're going to stop credentialing me. <laughs> but, but that'd be fine for me. I don't care. <laughs> there's just there's
2: right now there is a parenthetical being put next to your name, malcontent. I,
4: I, they won't credential me for the American Music Awards anymore because Are you kidding me? On, because of of, of uh, what i've done in the past there i you know it's just ridiculous
9: do they not know you're a six-time golden Mike <laughs> winner seriously i was gonna
0: ask you i was gonna ask the uh, question
4: you know i, I it's, it's all about whether you whether you make that particular event a good one or not for your listeners and i you know i'm sorry maybe these awards ever since dick clark left has been more than stupid
2: as in all things gma it is about knowing what to kiss and when
4: uh, i don't
2: and you, you don't play that game I try not. No. Hey, just a final thought here about Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Do you suppose? I mean, this is an awful thing to say, but do you suppose that maybe there's a reluctance to give him an award because the, the they're afraid that he'll get behind the mic and just say something unintelligible and embarrassing?
4: No, I think he I think he held his own at the Golden Globes. I mean, I, I think I sort of he about... himself at the Golden Globes. I think he's well, I think he's I think he's humbled at the fact that he's getting this second chance. And he really is. And he's even admitted he's he's trying his hardest, and every day's a struggle for him to maintain himself right. in public. You know, he knows that. He's got handlers around him. He's not, you know, he's not stupid that he's going to blow this next chance.
2: I would hope not because, you know, you see some of those guys who come back and they do get the big career resurrection and then they just make some of the worst choices on earth they just make some of the worst and then it's just and then they just kind of squander the goodwill
4: yeah Uh rook crashed hard yeah oh i'm talking he he was under the barrel not the bottom of it i mean that man was i don't know how he got off from underneath that thing and he does seem
9: genuinely grateful that he's got another shot
4: yeah i mean he was he was at tears at the golden globe you're going "Ah, last you feel bad for you not only that but look at that face you know, bad, right? Bad, bad uh, medical stuff. Going. Bad
2: everything. Yeah, that's all. That's a million miles of a uh, of, of of bad road there. And,
4: and you got you got to love him for everything he's doing. I don't understand the whole Slumdog Millionaire thing. I haven't seen it, but I, I can't see the Academy giving that a Best Picture. Of. I'm
2: going to see it tonight actually, and then I'll be able to. Sort yeah, of... yeah,
4: maybe I'll. Uh, you're going to uh, see. I can't rent it. I got to go out among the public. Damn it.
2: You can apparently you can only rent it at Richie Bristol's house. Richie bought a big. Richie, to the economy. Richie threw down $1,800 on a television over the weekend, and I said, "Okay, uh, well, great. What was the first thing you watched?" And he goes, "Slumdog Millionaire." And I said, "I said, really?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I said, "Maybe you want to say that you watched a movie that isn't currently only in theaters." It <laughs>
3: wouldn't be illegal for you to be watching.
2: Yeah, that you wouldn't be breaking like any number of laws by watching at home, Richie Bristol. So, uh, so maybe Richie can tell you how it is, Jim. Uh on that note my friend uh, have a, a fantastic day. We will talk to you very soon Jim. Rup.
4: Thank you very much sir. All right, there you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen.
2: I dig that guy. Sir, I you know we had a, our voice guy Max who does this. He's the station voice. We had him do a vocal session this morning. I wish that I had known this thing about the the, the golden microphone award. I swear to god the next time our vocal guy does a session, I'm going to have him cut a whole winner of the sixth time. You know, sixth time winner of the golden microphone award. Uh hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Rick. Oh, uh hello.
8: left for dead. Yes sir. Um, you mentioned something about a strategy.
1: Yes, yes, I did.
8: Um, might that strategy involve a closet? It's
2: too many jokes there. I can't, They all can't get out of my head at once. Um, okay, now you're talking. Uh, well, okay. Left for Dead is a first-person. It's a first-person perspective uh, zombie shooting game from Valve Entertainment, and. There are basically four different missions that are all sort of done as little mini-movies. Uh, there is one that takes place on a highway, one at an airport, one at a hospital, and one that is sort of out like uh, on a farm field, out on the boondocks kind of a thing. Um, the one you're talking about is, I believe, Blood Harvest, and that does end with you uh, inside, it's sort of like an Evil Dead sort of a thing. It ends with you inside a cabin, having to hold off a siege of zombies until this, like, Armored, armored assault vehicle thing shows up outside. There, there is an upstairs kind of closet you can hide in, yes. Uh, although, I have to tell you, I played online. Here's the thing about, and see, Don Taylor can't weigh in on the because You haven't ever been, you still haven't played online, you namby think... ass. Seriously, <laughs> come on.
9: Namby ass. Yes, that's me.
2: I mean, I'm just saying, like, you gotta. What do you
9: think is that to call a person? I'm, I'm saying, ass. look,
2: look, Don, I mean, if you're gonna kill zombies, <laughs> If you've already embraced the fact that you're going to put your life on your line by battling the undead you got to just, like, step out of the house. you got to leave the comfort of your own home, at least virtually speaking. If I'm
9: going to fight the undead, I shouldn't be afraid of being mocked by 14 That's the year thing is that you're, battling, uh-huh.
2: you're fighting zombies. Uh, it seems like you ought to be able to risk uh, being connected uh, over a LAN cable to, like, other human beings. Even I that.
9: Our uh, caller, by the way, he may be speaking of the uh, the strategy of what they call closet camping, which is where you actually just duck into a closet and wait for the
2: swarm to come and then just I it totally, I do that.
9: It's kind of a, a cheesy way to
2: play the game. Oh, I see. Uh, this is, we're calling you a namby. So <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've noticed that because um, I actually in that game in Blood Harvest, which is a level on uh, Left 4 Dead, I have done that where I will get uh, you know all the ammunition to get a pipe bomb or whatever, and I go upstairs, open the closet, stand in there, and to me it's just simply good strategy because it's like because it's, it's no it, it, like it's not a cheesy strategy because you're not. In other words, it's not like you're somehow unfairly being protected. From like, they're still going to come and, like, yeah. swarm you and try to eat your brains and so forth. You're just giving yourself – it is simply a strategy. That's all it is. It's not like you're manipulating some glitch or some trick in the game.
9: You're playing at higher levels than I am, too. you well, playing it, like, normal or hard or yeah,
2: too. And I, I think that that might be it. Yes. Weren't you going to tell her some secret way? So I do that. Well, here's the other thing. And I, this is, I apologize for calling you an AMBS. I'm just saying you got to, no, like right. – if you're going to play the game – Live while you're alive. Okay. All right. Um, here's the thing. If you're playing Death Toll on Left 4 Dead, it does end, and again, it's sort of a cabin in the woods, but it's like a boathouse, and you're waiting for a boat to arrive. Sarah, you should be writing this down. It's important. Sarah? Sarah, are you awake? What? Okay. Uh, here's the thing. It's a little difficult because you've got to execute a double jump, which I'm not very good at. But when you're playing uh, Death Toll, you get out there into the uh, the woods, and you're waiting for the boat to arrive. Don't go to the cabin. Uh if, if there's the cabin, which is right on the river or whatever, there is a huge rock, a rock about like, I don't know, a third of the size of the house. It's a rock the size of, let's say, a monster truck. You and your friends, you get your ammunition, you go out there, and it's again, it's a little tricky you kind of double jump onto it. But you jump up onto the rock, and the zombies cannot get up there. Oh. And then you can just stay up there and just hold them off. Uh, and all you really got to do is wait for the uh, boat to arrive, and then you just got to run from the rock to the dock, and then you're done. The only thing you got to be careful of is those uh, smoker things with the long tongues. They'll sneak up behind you in the, in the water. But that's it. You hide yeah, in I the did,
9: rock. I did the whole the whole thing where I was like, oh, there's a machine gun upstairs, so I, I called on the radio and then like ran as fast as I could get upstairs so I could like be the machine gun guy and hold it with the machine gun and then, right. then I, waited until he went, the boat's here, and then tried to make our way to the boat. See,
2: and I was doing that too, and to be fair, I can't take any credit for it. There was a... There, Guy. There was literally, it was like a nine year old. He was like, he should get out of the rock. Let's go, go. You know, and of course I'm like, all right, because you instinctively know. Here's a little rule, I think, if you're online gaming. Don't we all know this is true? The younger the voice on the other end of the uh, microphone, the more likely it is that voice is correct about anything. You know what I mean? Uh, What gun do I want? You know, you want the the M16. You know that that's probably right, because why? He's a 10 year old, therefore better than you at this. So there you go. That's my strategy, sir.
8: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, actually, I was going to add that there, um, there's a closet in just about every campaign somewhere that yes. you can do that closet thing in. Yeah,
2: and I don't. there's no shame in that. There's no shame in being in the closet, sir.
8: Well, the tank still comes at some point and destroys
2: you if you're in the closet. Ah, so. but see, if you're, and if you're out there on the rock, the tank it, it can't get up there either, by the way. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm just saying a little uh, free tip from me to you.
8: Oh, well, thank you very much. Oh, actually, one more thing. Do you have a favorite survivor?
2: Uh, yes, I always play as the woman.
8: Oh, and
9: I always play as Francis.
2: Really? Yeah. All right. There you go. Thank all you, right. sir.
9: Mm-hmm. All right. I like playing as Francis because he's a big, burly guy, and he seems very capable. And because when you're uh, reloading your shotgun, because it's all from your own perspective, totally. he has, like, forearm tattoos, yeah. and they seem, like, really cool. But I'm going, ching, 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 putting in, you know, shotgun shells, and I can see my forearm, my massively masculine forearm tattoos.
2: Hello, Sarah. How are you today? Super. Uh, but just a couple of brief notes. A, I always... I don't know why, but Is I... Is about
3: standing on the rock again? Can the tank get you when you're on the rock? I know that the zombies
9: can not get you on, when you're on the rock, but uh, can the tanks get
3: you? You R- remember know... Remember when What about Sarah's? the smoke monsters with the tongue?
9: Remember when Sarah said she liked having me on the show because it was nice to have another girl here?
2: Yeah, where's that, your god that now? That
9: great, didn't it?
2: I said... A couple things. One... And Aaron Duran is the same way, by the way. I was saying that for some reason, Leopard Dead* I always played as the female character, Zoe. And Aaron How you always
9: put the blame on other
3: people? I'm, just,
2: I'm not blaming Aaron. I'm just saying that I'm not alone. And Dawn plays as a man, by the way. My
9: husband always plays female characters when he's playing RPG characters. And I asked him why, and he doesn't have any good reason I for no he reason. just I have no reason. He just does.
2: She's the same voice actress that is, uh, that is Cortana in the Halo series, by the way. Uh, also... Here's a little great moment. Occasionally, every now and again, because they recorded like a thousand lines or something of dialogue for Left for Dead. There is a great moment occasionally where that female character Zoe, she will do the Bill Paxton and Aliens thing. She'll actually say, "Game over, man," which is so great. It's like the best thing ever. So I
9: like it how the black character, who is always
2: the one who says,
9: "The safe house, yay! I knew we were gonna make it." And you're like, "Oh, dude, don't ever say that."
2: Yeah, no. He well, and and I think Aaron. Well, let's get this call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. And Hello, break. and then we'll break. Hello, hi.
1: How are you doing, Sarah? Hi. Sarah? Hello? Uh, Hello, hi. Yes,
2: you're on the air, sir.
8: Actually, I was calling about uh, Dawn Taylor's friend in high school, or her acquaintance in high school, who was murdered in First Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Would her name be Amanda Weiss? It would, indeed. Who also was the very sought-after... In uh, Better Off Dead. Yes. yes
1: really? Oh,
2: okay. Now I know. See, I haven't seen the original Nightmare on Earth for years, but now I, I totally know who you're talking about.
8: Yeah, I actually,
9: I, I, yeah, every once in a while, wonder if she's still working. And I, she popped up on an episode of like CSI or
2: something Good for her. year, and I
9: was like, Hey, look, it's it's uh, Mandy Mandy West.
2: I never really had like a crush on her because she was, you know, obviously in Better Off Dead, you're supposed to be all about, you know, money. Uh, but uh, but she was a, uh, you know, she was quite a, quite an attractive young lady.
0: Yeah. Seen her in some episodes
8: of something I can't remember, but I've always known her name just because of uh, a timer on Elm Street.
2: Yeah. All right then, good for you. Thank you for clearing that up, sir.
8: Oh, uh, hey, one more thing. Uh, did you, hey Rick, did you ever see the book Grand Illusions by Tom Savini?
2: Uh, no, no. What is that?
8: That was my Bible in middle school. It was it was all of his secrets on how he did everything in all of his first movies, uh, from you know Dawn of the Dead to right. Home.
1: I,
2: I just remember seeing him interviewed in Fangoria all the time when I was growing up. And then there is, in the Friday the 13th box set that came out after Jason Goes to Hell, uh, which does not include Jason X or Freddy vs. Jason, there's a little, there's a, the closest thing that I think at that point had come out to a documentary, and there was a big thing with Tom Savini. But I guess, yeah, this, 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 two, this two-disc Friday the 13th set and then this fantastic flesh thing, I guess is all Tom Savini. Uh, it's like a whole you know, hour of him just talking about makeup secrets. By so. the way, when
9: I said the thing earlier about him inventing the uh, air bladder under the skin thing, I think that was actually Rick Baker. I think it wasn't Tom Savini, but Savini did invent a lot of like really uh, widely used blood
2: effects. And with the appliances and so yeah. forth. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Hey, uh, when we get back, I've got to read this other great story right here.
3: And the movie can actually read some other news stories. You know, we only have Don Taylor today. We, we get were... to hear you babble all the
2: time. What we were giving was news, Sarah. Just now, it was news about an exciting interactive system of entertainment that is used by millions of people in this country. <laughs> this girl. Okay. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
7: Chinese slang term for great news in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.
2: And now from the CBS Radio
3: Center in downtown Portland. This is the news.
1: I have a
9: quick uh, update on the salmonella uh, problem and the recalls. the processing plant in Georgia that produced the peanut butter, according to the New York Times, has a history of sanitation lapses and was cited repeatedly in 2006 and 2007. Yes. Uh, the state agriculture department found areas of rust that could flake into food, <laughs> gaps in warehouse doors large enough for rodents to get through, unmarked spray bottles and containers... And other other violations. Mm. Uh, if you are interested in finding out what products have been recalled, and there are many. We were just searching for, like, cliff Bars and Luna Bars and that sort of thing. Uh, you can go to the FDA website at www.fda.gov, and on their main page there, there's actually a big prominent box that you can click on to get all of the information. on. I the think recall. I just
2: prefer to have it be a surprise. <laughs> you know, I, just, I, want, I like to preserve some excitement in my life. So you know what? I'm not gonna look. I might have a whole closet full of things that I'm gonna send I think gonna in. make
3: a, a big prominent box in Barack Obama's enormous stimulus
9: package joke. Sam and Ella is not the sort of surprise that you really want.
2: No. You know, by the way, uh, that is gonna be the name of my uh, name of my future radio morning show. Sam and Ella in the morning. <laughs> I don't get it. Ella and Sa- like if Sa- I'm Sam, I'm Ella, and we're Sam and Ella in okay. the morning. Ella. No, it wouldn't be you, probably. Oh. I mean, I can't imagine you'd have any part of such a show. And it probably wouldn't even be me. I should just become a consultant, and I should create a zany morning show. Sam and Ella. we Sam and Ella. That I'm already just, has to exist. You know that exists. Probably. Uh, let me just read this, by the way. And then we'll get the, we've got the, some calls. I got some uh, some other crap to get. The, Jesus, it's almost 3 o'clock. It sure is. God Almighty. All right. Boy, don't don't take this the wrong way. Time just uh, really just vanishes when you're here because we just fall into, you That's know. That's good,
3: though. I mean, we've had people who time has just crawled with.
2: Yes, we have, Sarah. Uh, and, but, I mean, I guess, you know. I guess, oh, I'm not going to get bogged down in this, but I will say also I have an absolutely great strategy for, the, for dead air, which is the airport level of left for dead, too, just like FYI. Uh, all right. I'm just going to read this. Now, this is a sports story. But you'll have to bear with me uh, because it's all worth it for the money line, which comes a bit into this. So I'm going to read this to you now. This is from Dallas News. This is the Dallas Morning News from their website, DallasNews.com. This is by Barry Horn, the Dallas Morning News. And and again, just stay with me here because it's all going to be worth it. The Covenant School, this is, uh, by the way, about a lopsided basketball game. The Covenant School fired its girls basketball coach Sunday, the same day that coach posted a message on a youth basketball website saying he disagreed with school officials who had publicly apologized for the team's 100-0 victory over Dallas Academy. In reporting the firing, Kyle Quayle, Covenant's head of school, emphasized that the former coach Micah Grimes, quote, now only represents himself, quote, when discussing the game, which has become a national talking point. Wheel said he could not say whether the firing was a direct result of the posting and declined to answer any questions. In a statement posted Sunday on FlightBasketball.com, Grimes offered his first public comment since the story was first reported. He said, I respectfully disagree with the apology, especially the notion that the Covenant School girls basketball team should feel embarrassed or ashamed by this victory. We played the game as it was meant to be played and would not intentionally run up the score on any opponent. Although a wide margin of victory, and keep in mind, we're talking about a 100 to nothing game here. Although a wide margin of victory is never evidence of compassion, my girls played with honor and integrity and showed respect to Dallas Academy. He also included the quarter-by-quarter scoring on his post, 35, 24, 29, 12. At the end of his post uh, on the website, he says, If I lose my job over these statements, I will walk away with integrity. On Thursday Covenant posted a statement on its website saying quote we regret the outcome of the game with Dallas Academy varsity girls basketball team it is shameful and an embarrassment that this happened this clearly does not rep- uh, reflect a Christlike and honorable approach to sports and competition this was the day that the national spotlight began focusing on the game following a report in the Dallas Morning News on the 100 to nothing shutout on January 13th Dallas Academy coaches and administrators say Covenant kept the pressure on until it reached 100 points midway through the fourth quarter. Until Sunday, Grimes hadn't made any public comment since he emailed the news Wednesday night. In that email, which was also sent to Quayle and Athletic Director Bryce Helton, Grimes called scoring 100 points unfortunate. He says, it just happened. Please know that Covenant School intended no harm against the other team. I see it as a real learning opportunity so we can prevent this from happening in the future. Dallas Academy, renowned for its work with students who have learning disabilities, is winless this season and has not won a game in at least four seasons. (laughs) And now you know. The rest of the story. Back after this.
3: Dude, I just got the creepiest text message from Aaron. What is it about? It was about you guys talking about video games.
2: Oh, is this on the gender that uh, that I always play as uh, in Left 4 Dead? I always play as the female character Zoe. Yeah.
3: So he was saying girls. Uh, so I got two from him. The first one says girls are always better to play because they're more agile and can carry more items than male characters. Well, that's true. And then the second one says, oh, and girl characters make sexy time sounds when they die.
9: That's sexy time sounds.
2: He was a quiet man uh, who mostly kept what to himself. He,
9: I don't even want to know. That would be like, a great name for an a cappella group. That's
2: a like sexy time that sounds. sounds. What, is, what does that even mean? Well, I guess I, I know, know what it like means.
3: Moaning and whatever they do, I don't know.
2: I don't know. Aaron. that's an inside your head thought. That's not a thought we know, share with you. people. Text that's, your... that's a conversation one has with oneself, maybe in the voice of your dead mother. Uh, and so forth. Hello, Don Taylor.
9: Hi. I never got to do the Corpse Watch story. It's like uh, we, we jammed uh, about... Other things. Always. Now, if
2: you'd like, now, Don, because you're one of our favorite people, would you like to uh, pick some of your favorite stories and take them with you, so that no one else can do them, and then you can read them when you come back?
9: It uh, might not be relevant. Though,
2: are okay, you listening to the show? We do things that are like six months old. We're
3: reading a snuff watch from two months ago. Seriously. Well, well, then yeah. Take I, it. I
2: love. You should one. put it in your pocket. I will. All oh, right, I'm you bring
3: with the it rainbow, and <laughs> you bring it back with you next
1: time.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right
1: no i
2: wouldn't i'm just looking at this call no. yeah it seems like the show's going really well if i take this call it's gonna suck no it's
3: all giggles that's gonna be like no
2: yes yeah, yeah i mean no We're offense taking
3: the chance too many times it, it works like five percent of the time
2: ma'am i'll just uh you've
3: done really well with the callers that today actually. that's what i'm saying so, so why
2: really good i don't even know who this doesn't hold so no offense when i say this why blow it by taking this call i'll just say um Speaking of famous people, Jennifer Aniston was the female lead in Leprechaun, although she isn't killed.
3: I remember that was her pre-nose job, too.
2: Yeah. that's kind of weird. All right. Don Taylor, who writes at Film.com and uh, who makes fine confections, uh, as, as the owner and uh, proprietress of uh, Polidori Chocolates. Thank you, thank you. What does Polidori mean?
9: Polidori is uh, the name of... It's based from John Polidori, who was... Uh, Credited with writing the very first vampire story. He was there the gothic weekend that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein.
2: See, I'm glad we didn't take the call because we could end with that, which was made of wind. Well done. Uh, Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Like us next. Michael Mara Show at 7. Phil Hendry at 11. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day for the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 97. The Talker. Fill in the rest in your heads. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash.